This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey guys, Rob here. Um, this episode is the Tag League episode of the Brit Rest Roundtable. And, you know, as I'm sure you're aware, it's very late because we were live and the aim of this was to have it up, uh, I guess, last Tuesday at this point. But, unfortunately, I got very ill after being at Tag League. Got that wrestling flu, which sucked. And, unfortunately, because I'm the one who edits the podcast, it's a bit late. I still think it's a good episode, though. Uh, We've got a bunch of fun recordings, and we had a bunch of great guests on, um, which you're about to see. Yeah, the format of this one's basically we did a live recording after each of the individual shows of Tag League, and we've bunched them all together here for this episode. Hope you enjoy. Furious, and I'm in Germany. And with me in Germany is Robin Reed. Hello, I made it this time. Yes, uh, not in Germany is Ollie Court. He's sat at home feeling sad, but he's going to Japan soon, so that's fine. Uh, also with us is Brother Mort. Hello, guys. From Denmark. <laughs> he's also in Germany. Uh, and we're recording this uh, just after Inner Circle. We've just come from the um, historic WXW Academy in downtown sunny Essen, uh, where there isn't much crime and there aren't murderers everywhere, which is what the taxi driver said. And we're going to talk about uh, the show that we've just seen and how much fun we had uh, clapping and stuff. So we started off with um, Australian Open against, <laughs> that's an in-joke already, sorry, uh, Aussie Open uh, against uh, Coast to Coast, which is uh, Leon St. Giovanni and Shaheem Ali? Correct. Thank you. Um, I was not familiar <laughs> I with I had no idea who either of these people yeah, were. Yeah, no, I didn't know who they were at all, but uh, I thought they were quite good. Yeah, they were, I think they debuted in Ring of Honor in their top prospect tournament, like, beginning of 2017, and they've just been teamed up, and they're the, like, undercard jobbers for them at the moment, and, you know, they've, they've kind of stagnated there from the little I've seen, so then... You know, taking the plunge and I imagine bringing themselves out to Europe to to base themselves for a little while to kind of reinvigorate their careers it doesn't seem like too bad an idea. Seems to keep borrowing a lot of people from America. They have so many to spare that it's just like, oh, well, we'll have these guys. How do you them. say that? Like the US Indies isn't too <laughs> yeah, too deep right now. Yeah, but there's a lot of wrestlers. There's a lot of wrestlers spread out over a very large space. Yeah, I like these guys. I thought uh, Ali. Um, Hit really hard and uh, yeah, the, the flippy. So you know, I, I quite enjoyed them. Oh, pretty entertaining guys, I think. 
That was my first time seeing them. Yeah, that was that whole thing is all about first time seeing them. Have you seen them before? Yeah. I've seen them in Ring of Honor, I feel like. I recognise the names. Mm. Wasn't really sure. Yeah, they didn't they didn't leave <laughs> much of an impression because they're usually in like six minute openers or whatever, but um yeah, they were they were fine here. I thought I thought they were a good foil for Aussie Open who kind of had their match. You know, like they that they they, they go and tour several promotions doing that match quite regularly and you know. It worked, it popped the crowd. Yeah, it was a fun opener. They definitely had to win, though, at Aussie Open, because they're in the tournament. Yeah. It was supposed to answer. My favourite part of this match um, was when Davis started to lay, lay in the chops really hard. Oh. Uh, we were kind of had, like, Volta in our eye line up in the crow's nest, mm-hmm. and uh, he was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so it was nice to see Volta happy, happy at uh, seeing horrible, horrible chops. <laughs> Or maybe he was laughing at how much worse they were than his. They were quite loud. They were they quite were loud. loud. They weren't quite Walter loud, but, you know, Mark Davis is, in some ways, kind of a mini Walter. Yeah. A, a recurring theme of this show is that everyone worked really snug. Yeah. And just kind of laid them strikes in because you can't really fake it with that many people, or, like, right up against the ring. So, uh, yeah, they, they all work really, really snug. Yeah, we should sure. probably kind of cover the venue in a bit more detail. In case we've got new listeners who haven't listened to... It's a box. It's a very small box. Um, You've got maybe, like, what, six foot the one side of the ring and probably not that the other side. Yeah. Uh, It's very small. Uh, So the acoustics are incredible. When somebody chops someone in there, it's just like... You get a good connection on it. Like, everyone was doing chops just because they knew how great it sounded. (laughs) This deck kind of comes back straight off the wall straight away. Yeah. Sound. I'm a big fan of the venue. Yeah, it's a very much just a really small, very, very intimate, intimate venue. Yeah, I like it. It reminds me of the fiction. That's probably my favourite yeah. venue. Yeah, it's a good comparison. I like the little uh, crow's nest where the, the commentator is very precarious in <laughs> touch. Was it Christian Bishop? I think it was. But he was like right on the edge, like at the edge of his chair was like right on the edge of the crow's nest and his one foot he kept dangling it over the edge and I'm like I keep looking at that thing is he going to fall off <laughs> like what if that only one of those legs of the chair had to go over and he was he was flying off and gone. it was you know it wasn't an inconsiderable <laughs> distance to fall yeah, was he it he got really excited he'd basically fallen onto the um, they had a load of weightlifting equipment with mm. a tarp over the top that's not going to be a nice landing no not too fun but you know he he seemed to survive he survived his life for him <laughs> i'm happy for him <laughs> uh second match uh, julian pace uh he's quick he's ace he's gonna win the race against benjamin van s uh the academy champion current I'm guessing that wasn't on the line because he lost. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like it got handed over, but uh, yeah, it was. This was kind of a. This felt very much like a trainee match in that, like, Vaness has clearly got the somewhat basic pretty boy don't touch my face gimmick, and he, you know, he does a solid job with it, but it's yeah. not anything new that. Yeah. To be fair, I thought they did a really good job at the start of the match with him saying, don't touch me in the face, don't touch me in the face, to make that the story, like, oh, he's, mm-hmm. he's going to slap him in the face. And then they did a load of near near fall stuff where like, he <laughs> went to slap him and he ducked or moved out the way of it. And it was all building up to that one, like, punch to the face. And, and when it came, it was like, hey, big pop. And then, like, everything after that in the match was yeah. kind of flat. It, they probably should have just had the finish. 
directly face yeah. like di- just directly follow that at least like that that was clearly the climax the peak of the, the match the story had been told yeah at that point. It was and like, then it kind of just kept going for a bit and they lost the crowd a little but i think that uh, was, it was fine for uh, yeah. fine I think they did a good job sending off the comedy spots. And they said they built it to a point where Tass accidentally elbowed yeah. him yeah, in the that face. Was good. That got a good laugh off yeah, the crowd. Yeah. yeah, all of that stuff was really good. And then they just kind of went into a very sort of basic match after that. And that kind of, kind of tailed off a bit. I mean, Julian Pace, obviously, at a higher level. Mm. Um, so, like, he, the stuff that he was doing was, was just far, like, superior to what Vanessa uh, was up to. WXW in general do a really good guy of... Uh, good job of like tearing the guys in kind of the, the kayfabe sense and that there's there's a definite like a bit like like in a new japan or something where there's a definite sense of like you've got some guys at the bottom level just coming out of the academy and like kind of i guess vaness is right at the top of that being the academy champion but julian pace has kind of graduated from just being an academy guy and he's he's towards the bottom of the the actual mm-hmm. main roster and you know that that having him win here over the academy champion kind of solidified that and i imagine pace will probably have a few matches over this weekend and this this will probably be the the setup for that giving them a, a you know a, a somewhat legitimate win over a you know albeit a very low champion a champion in the company and he managed to do his entrance without running over any little old ladies so which um... was disappointing but you know <laughs> <laughs> what can you do you can't strike gold every time <laughs> match on this card was uh, Lufisto against Chris Wolf. Um, you got Lufisto in this match. You you were getting really into the the strikes that she was doing. Very meaty strikes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I've always been a big fan of uh, Lufisto. Like occasionally you can her movement around the ring is a bit laboured. Um, you get that every now and again. Um, but when she's on form, I think she's she's right up there with um, you know pretty much any woman on the the indie scene. I really like her style. It's 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 like a I guess comparable to a, a power junior in like a not exactly the same as a Shingo, but that came same kind of vibe. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Though, yeah. um, but because obviously women in general a bit smaller. She, she does end up dominating a lot more of her matches. Um, no, Chris Wolf is very small. Yeah. Right? She's yeah. like five foot nothing. Are you guys into Chris Wolf? She's very happy. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy that. Um, yeah, to be honest, I'm not big on like her work when she's work, trying to work somebody that's at a higher level, but I do like her sort of the, the matches that she has. It's just, I feel like when. When she was over in Stardom, like everyone around her was capable of just just kind of stepping up into a, a main event like mm-hmm. that, and they'd go in with like a Mayu or the Oshirai or someone, and just go out there and have a, a really good match. And I was no, I just haven't seen that from her. Yeah, I think she's like a she's a solid wrestler with a character's great, a character that's great, and in a lot of ways can cover for her maybe not deficiencies as a wrestler, but lack of strength as a you know bell to bell um but what you do kind of when you put the, her up against someone like Lefisto, who is kind of a almost a you know she's got a solid character as kind of a bully mm-hmm. but she is when you think of her she's more of a pure in-ring character so the mix there wasn't 
quite perfect. I don't a think. Clash of style. I think like you saw Lefisto trying to have like a you know a star rating match at times, and that's not really what Chris Wolf is is there for. At least at the moment. Yeah, I've always thought Chris Wolf, good character wrestler, so like mm. it's kind of like in that Martina sphere, but like yeah. better. This is very much supposed. The character is supposed to be like a lower mid carder, yeah. which she was in Stardom. She pretty much always took the fall and almost never won. And in that sense, I can believe her character and think it's entertaining because you go in expecting her to take the yeah. fall. But let's say that if she was supposed to be a top player at some point. Then names then, gotten bigger. That's the yeah. problem. Like, so. But she still also takes the falls all the time. Yeah. Where she works, she doesn't win a lot. No. And and in that sense, I can believe it because she does her her comedy and she does it well. And she's she was very over. So and it's yeah. over. So she's yeah. probably right up there with anyone on the show for the level of overness. Yeah. So I think what she does, she does very well. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Oh, we can uh, move ahead to uh, Fred Yehai against... Yehai. Uh, Yehai. <laughs> I'm doing it on purpose. I'm doing it on so you didn't do that. But, um, yeah, him against <laughs> Tim Thatcher in Tim's house. And he came out to uh, uh, David Hasselhoff. <laughs> Which very few of the British people were like, uh, what e- everyone seems to like be really into this, but <laughs> I have no idea what this is. Should I know what this is? It just didn't come out of something really fun and happy. I thought that was like on the rib. And then uh, the crowd started chanting Hasselhoff, and I was like, oh, okay. It's the half. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I didn't get the joke. <laughs> <laughs> the Germans seem to enjoy it. So. He was incredibly over in his house. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was Tim's house. We're in his. Uh, front, yeah, quite front literally. Room. Um, he probably spends over half of his time living at the academy yeah. these days. That's just where, so, he's, where he's happiest. Yeah. <laughs> Chopping wood. <laughs> <laughs> just to explain that one, the, the, out the back uh, of the academy, there's like a load of uh, logs, and there's clearly been like somebody has come and like chopped up a load of it, and it's like there is firewood. And we just have this image of, of Tim getting up in the morning, taking his shirt off. Getting the axe and heading out the back and chopping up a load of logs. Getting up in the morning and taking his shirt off. Uh, yeah, I, I just imagine he sleeps. He sleeps with his shirt and then, yeah, then takes it off as soon as he gets chop, up. Chop wood. <laughs> what a man! What a man! And then goes to the shops. This match, Tim was incredibly over going in, and Yehai came kind of came in as the unknown commodity. Um, but, but he's only been over here for a couple of weeks, so he's, mm-hmm. he's only had a. A handful of and it's not like he's while he's done stuff in Evolve. Evolve isn't like the most high profile. I don't think anyone place. in that crowd watched no. yeah. Evolve. Maybe like, like a handful, like but barely watch Evolve, not watch everything. So. Yeah, um, and he's not even there now, is he? So um, yeah, he... <laughs> <I'm not laughs> yes. more shrugs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, he's he's a good wrestler, but. I felt the the first half of this match lost a lot of the momentum that the match came in with, with the the energy of Thatcher's entrance and how much the crowd loved him. Lacking dynamism, which sounds like more of an insult. I, I don't necessarily mean it as a, an insult, more of a descriptor for the type of match. It was very, yeah, it was, it was very basic, te- technical, technical match. Heavy. And it, I'm not sure that was the right match to kind of 
introduce Yehai to a crowd. The second half of the match picked up a lot, and the crowd got back into it. But for the first half, it, it kind of died well, a death. With, with the academy, it's like it's such a small building that if you're going to have one of those technical matches, then that's a place to do it where everyone can see what's yeah. going on. And well, unless you stood behind uh, Big Chris Line, he's a big lad. Um, no, I, I kind of enjoyed it. The um, uh, Yehai's did a series of power bombs in this match, and the second one was absolutely terrifying. Like, it, as, a, as a shorter person, well, you wasn't, on the front, yeah. wasn't on the front row or anything, so I had people in front of me, so I, I see, like, the first three quarters of the power bomb, but just don't see the landing, and from everything I saw, it, Thatcher was going to die. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, he, he basically just got this and just kind of lifted his shoulders up okay. as he was falling down. Uh, yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to demonstrate to you how he how landed. But yeah, he kind of lifted his shoulders up. At the very last and second. And tucked his head and landed relatively safely, considering it looked like he was going to die. It was... It looked like it was going to be a particularly nasty Ganso Bowl. Mm. And, you know, I am, from from what you say, they managed to save it, but it, it was a bit touch and go. It, it was like like two feet off the ground and it was looked bad and yeah. then he saved it. But it was it was almost a power driver and then it was a power bomb. But then he went to do uh, another one of the crowd like, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> there was an audible, no. stop doing that. And then Tim decided it was time for him to stop doing it as so well. So he just so yeah, he took put him his in an arm bar and tapped yeah. out. Stop power bombing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was fine, but I'm not sure it was the right match. Like, as you said, like if you're gonna do a technical match, I think tech very technical grapple fuck type matches fit better when um, fit better when you're in a really small, close to the ring environment. But I don't think it's the right match to do to introduce a character, which is what happened with Yehai. Uh, maybe they're thinking that everyone had seen him because he'd been on a, a couple of the fan events. And I guess, I guess. So like if you watch a lot of WXW, you'd, you'd have seen him. Mm. I always kind of think of uh, Inner Circle, uh, because a lot of people, especially non-Germans, like f- people who are travelling considerable distances for WXW um, for both 16 Carat like weekend and World Tag Team League weekend not all of them follow the promotion super closely but WXW have got their weekends their festivals of wrestling yeah, yeah. up to the level where and and they do a magnificent job booking them in that you almost don't need to be following them to get a huge job out of them so I I, I always do get the sense that there is a crowd that are at in a circle that don't necessarily follow WXW. And for that, I kind of always see it's a, chance it's a to first kind of step like, yeah, of show, like show getting them over for ahead of work with, like work with LAX. PY, and yeah. We were using the same example. Different names. Um, but yeah, that was that was the example I was thinking of. I think like, it worked with Akami as well. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And that segs us right to the next match, which is Akami <sighs> against JFK. Be professional, seamless. Um, yeah, no, I thought they were really good, um, especially Kamatani. I thought he had a really good match. Uh, like his moves look uh, look so intense and like uh, snug. Is there's that word again? Um, just everything that he did, I could just feel it, and uh, 
I thought you had a great match. I'm behind on Big Japan, so like the last time I was up to date was probably very early this year. And Hashimoto, Hashimoto and Kamatani have both been two guys who, over the last few years, have kind of disappointed me because I've had a lot of hope for them, yeah. and then it's kind of they kind of hit a level, and then if anything, dropped off a little bit. We were talking about this on the way back um, from Inner Circle, uh, myself and Mort, and we were saying that it's it's more on the booking than it is yeah. on the the wrestlers themselves, yeah. who have always been good. But this yeah. this match here like set a tone. It was like. Yeah, the, the kind of disappointing stuff you've seen of them in uh, Big Japan, that's not what they're going to deliver here. They're, yeah. they're going hard here, and I was I was very impressed. Yeah, amazing. And I was also impressed. They seemed to come in and understand that they were working for a foreign audience, mm-hmm. not a Japanese audience, and especially Daichi was really playing up to the crowd, which you don't always see with Japanese wrestlers, that they get that part you, you never know what you're going to get with the Japanese no. wrestler wrestling in Europe because they never it's like the first time we had Ishii come over he wasn't really sure what to do and like he had a really soft match with the big Damo yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember that was getting so annoyed with him because he wouldn't hit him yeah. but like these these guys are just coming and straight away they know exactly what to do yeah and they look like they studied what to do and how to work the crowd because they, they must have spoken to somebody beforehand because it just you don't just come in like that and just nail it. I saw both guys do stuff I haven't seen them do before. Mm-hmm. Because it was this crowd mm. they were in front of. But at the same time, and it's kind of a theme of a lot of this show, they they didn't do anything absolute like anything crazy. They kept stuff fairly basic-ish, getting good reactions. Like, you know, a lot, a lot of the big moves in this match were like a shoulder block or, a, you know, a roundhouse kick. Clothesline and uh, stuff. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of the theme of this show. It's it's intimate, it's snug, as you keep going back yeah. to. They're all <laughs> getting... Like, like, they, all they the way through going back. Snug, snug, snug. <laughs> it, it's all hard-hitting, but they're not, like... They're not giving too much away because this is the small show ahead mm. of World Tag Team. This, is, mm. this show is the taste of what's to come. And I I think Akami as a, as a team did an excellent job in that regard. Yeah. And in all fairness, I thought JFK were really good as well. Yeah, yeah they bumped their ass up too. Yeah. That was yeah. really good. Uh, Skillet, um, as a heel, <laughs> is just... I hate uh, football. Incredibly annoying, <laughs> but also really yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> is, this is his natural habitat. Because uh, he keeps getting... Um, Andre Scherler chanted at him, um, who is a footballer who <laughs> oh. kind of looks like him, but it does not. If he's squinting, yeah, a little. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the hair's a little different, but you know, there's there's a resemblance there, and uh, you know, as soon as you you've heard that, you like, can't unsee you it. See it. It's like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, it looks like. Uh, and at one point, like it just keeps getting chanted at him, and he, he puts his hands over his ears and just screams out like, "I hate football." <laughs> Well, it was in German, but yeah, I, that's what I think it was. My, my GCC German coming out a little bit there. I'm not quite sure that's right, but I think that's what he said. Um, but yeah, yeah it was really it, it was the timing on everything in this match was great. That there, there was not a step out of line, which I always find amazing when you're you're working with people who probably don't share a language. Well, you know, yeah, language and close. culture barrier, different styles and everything. And yeah, they came together. To be honest, this is my favourite match of the night. Yeah, yeah. I think in general, like, I I am baffled at how good matches end up being between Japanese and Western wrestlers when there isn't a... La- like, how, how do you plan a match out without having a... La- 
a common language, and yet they they consistently blow, blow it away. It's amazing. They, they both speak English, though, can't they? Yeah. I don't think Okama speaks any English. No? That, that's not my impression. Oh, I thought you said Dochi did. Or is it somebody else? That's not my impression that no. either guy does. Okay. Um, so that was the, the the main event in terms of what they'd announced. Um, but they had a special match following that, which was a Lucky Kid against Chris Brooks. And... They kind of teased it being a tag team match. Well, Lucky Kid wanted it to be a tag team match. And the. Oh, that gong. The whole thing. Yeah, so. Um, basically, Chris Brooks tells Lucky Kid that it's not SmackDown and that The Undertaker isn't going to come out and they're not going to wrestle him. And. That really upsets Lucky. And Lucky's so upset about it. And then they basically challenged The Undertaker and came to a tag team match and won by count out. And then they wrestled each other. <laughs> So they did the whole because because Chris is kind of like rolling his eyes. He's like, oh, fine, right? If how about I'll appease you by saying, well, count to ten. <sighs> if Undertaker and Kane aren't out of here by the count of ten, then you know we'll have won the match, and then we can actually get on with the singles match. Uh, where you know Lucky's like, oh, they're actually going to come out. I'm so excited. <laughs> We might be able to beat them. It'd be awesome. And it's, you know, like it, they count to ten, and Lucky's like really disappointed. And you could tell this was all improv because yeah, it really kind <laughs> yeah. of maybe they had like I imagine like the the initial hugs were kind of planned, but then it it rolled with the crowd, and then it was all improv. And they they get to the end of the ten count, and nothing happens. And Lucky's just been a bit sad, and they go to like start their match and then a gong hits which has clearly been improvised because the sound was way too low on it and all that someone's clearly like just googled undertake a gong played it and it got the best reaction it was awesome it was awesome i love wrestling um yeah so they did go on and have a match and it was really good um the difference here between uh i don't know if either of you saw the match i had in london like was it two years ago that was like the opening match on that show. Well, I think it was October. That. It would have been, yeah, but it wouldn't have been this year, just gone. It would have been yeah, 2017. Or, yeah, October. Yeah, I'm sure of it. I think I was there, though. Yeah, my first WWE show. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, so that, that was how much Lucky Kid has improved since that match, because that yeah, I remember watching that match and thinking how good Lucky Kid was, and since then, he's just, like, gone up another level. Mm-hmm. Um and WXW obviously thinks so as well because they put him over. So they don't, they're not just going to have Brooks come over and just job for Lucky Kid for no reason. He, he's really good and he's destined for yeah. something big in this it's, company. It's their smaller show of the weekend, but he was b- both in the main event and won the main event. Yeah. And then, over somebody who he couldn't beat before. My, my thought at the end of this match, I just kind of, th- after he won the main event, I was like, is Lucky Kid a contender for winning 16 carats? This coming chicken carrot. Like, I kind of think he is. I'm not, not saying he's like nailed on or anything or he's going to be a favourite, but if he's, they're going to continue he's a pushing legitimate inside, contender. Like, if they're going to start pulling names at the the normal roster as contenders, then why not? Which just shows how good a job, because he was nothing when he first came in. Yeah. Like, well, when they first started and they came in and came in cold and won the tag titles, I was like, who who's this? Like, a. It possibly just because I was really low on uh, Tarkan Aslan's wrestling, mm-hmm. but like I didn't see anything there. And he's just, well, he's just transformed my opinion of him completely. 
It's, I love Lucky Kids. It's Christ. amazing with all the the problems Rise as a group has had to <laughs> had to face with injuries and suspensions and all that that they have managed to for all that make somebody a legitimate like top tier guy mm-hmm. from that um, from basically nothing. It's, they, they've done a great job. And if uh, Demac had been healthy, I think Pete Bass would have uh, got made as well. Um, even though he's not that good in the I, ring, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think there's always going to be a ceiling on him until he improves in the ring. Mm-hmm. If he improves, because but his while while WXW great. is That's a story based promotion, none of their top guys can't work. Yeah, that's that like, true. You would like has done solid character work, but you know he ain't going anywhere, is he? No. So, no. Like, There's definitely a ceiling on that. He's much better as a man. Tarkan Aslan's ceiling is feuding with Lucky Kid because he has the history of Lucky. He's like a he's like a Yujiro to to Naito. Yujiro can always have the a big match with Naito, but he can't really have big matches with anyone else anymore. He's just got that history, and it's kind of a, a similar deal with Tarkan Aslan. Like once this feud with Lucky Kid ends, he's probably either dropping back to a manager with, where he does a good job. But he'd be fine managing. Uh, Mario Salani. Or will Alani be right, just right at the bottom of the card. Not great on the mics. <laughs> Although Mike was saying he, he, he'd been impressive recently since the turn. I haven't yeah, seen I've seen a though, few but... promos. I thought they were okay, but like the Tarkans are, are much better. Yeah. And oh, we've kind of gone off track yeah. a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, but yeah that, that was in a circle. So that's uh, our first show of the weekend. Only like, what, four to go? Um... Uh, five. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there's quite a lot to do. Oh, is this still a shotgun taken? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, be it's going to be one shotgun XXL oh, right. sort of thing. And we could say goodbye to shotgun. Oh, oh um, yeah. Not that I ever watched it. So yeah. It, it was <laughs> I'm good just though. jumping on the bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> You're terrible. Look, I. Okay, so yeah, we'll we'll be back later with some interviews and and stuff, and we'll be talking about whatever shows we're at next, which is what Tag League Night One. Hello, I'm Arnold Furious. Uh, We are still here in Oberhausen. I'm with Rob. Hello. And nobody else, because everyone else is either hungover from bowling or they've gone for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're going to have a chat about the the first night of uh, Tag League, which was frankly outstanding. Uh, it was very a, good. For it a was first very good. night, right? Yeah. Because yeah. normally the first night is the one where you kind of get an introduction to everyone and it it's kind of a nice little slow build and you might get a, like a good main event but you don't usually get that quality we got a good main event we yeah <laughs> to, to have a little bit of an understatement there yeah. but we'll get to that do you want to run through it sort of match by match like we did yesterday um let's start with overarching thoughts and then we can jump back if we've missed stuff uh, what well, I like I said, I thought the standard was really strong. It's the fact that, like, after the show, we're having conversations about, like, what was the best match, and three different matches got pulled up as being mm-hmm. the best. So, like, uh, Yearn, 
Star Hair Match, uh, Akami and Lucha Brothers, and uh, Ring Camp and CCK. So you got three matches that people thought were all in the same sort of yeah tippy top tier. Um, those. I was having a, a talk with Mort as he was as we were walking back from the bowling because it was a, yeah, a bit of a track. And um, he comes up to me and says, Rob, I love the show, but what did you think? Because I know you're, like, the most critical of all of us. So <laughs> if you think it was good, then it must have been. I was like, well, yeah, I really enjoyed the show. Um, I wasn't blown away by several matches like some people were, but I, I, re- I thought the main event was my favourite match. But basically, in the end, we came to the conclusion, uh, and I, I agreed with him on this, that um, the Lucha Brothers versus Okami match had the best minute of action mm. because the first minute of that match was like incredible. And if they'd have kept that up, it would have been I, a match of the year. Contender. I tweeted right after that that it was the greatest match of all time, <laughs> like a minute in, because it really was. It, yeah, the be- the first minute was incredible, and then like the finishing stretch was brilliant. The middle tailed off a little bit, but it was still a very good match overall. Yeah, I thought the middle part was good. Um, that, that was the match that I think I reacted the most for because. <laughs> When they did that opening sequence, which is basically like a lot of super kicks, and that was right at the beginning of the show as well, so you weren't you yeah. weren't ready Se- for it, and it match, the crowd yeah. just came unglued. Uh, it really set the tone as well. Uh, but I, I was just jumping up and down, but mm-hmm. that doesn't come across really well. On the, I basically yeah. waved my arms. He's doing the the skulk thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't know. That's the match I think I'll remember the most, uh, and. Probably the main event. Yeah. So the main event was my favourite match of the night, and I thought it was a an incredible example of the style. And I'm not usually a huge fan of the style. Like uh, you, you turned to me and said something like midway through it, and I, I, I hadn't thought about it before, but it was actually right in that you said you don't really like violent matches, and I thought about it. It's like I don't dislike violent matches, but violence in a match doesn't necessarily. It's not enough to put it over. I, I would take action over violence every day. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, it's perfect when you've got both, and and this match had that. But going into this match, it, you weren't in love with the last man standing match that they'd had. I didn't like it. Um, I, I thought it borrowed a lot from uh, Gargano uh, Champa with the, yeah. the exposed ring boards and the, the having a, like a non-finish. I know why they did a non-finish because they were trying to to build to a. But having a last man standing as a as a like a transitioning match, a gimmick. I I was not keen on that. Yeah, it's weird. But yeah, this was easily their best match. Oh, definitely. By some distance, it felt so important as well. Like it's generally a a major match for both guys because Star took like like the biggest ass kicking I, I think I've ever seen him take. Some of the spots he took were absolutely horrific. Uh, so he came out of it looking like a bigger uh, staff. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pun accidentally. Yeah, that wasn't it. Intended halfway through. I realised halfway through the sentence what Pun the realized. was going to be. Uh, um, but also, Yearn, in losing, didn't lose any credibility or anything. There was just a lot of... Really- he looked... He looked great both in the the nerdy wrestling sense, but also just in the kayfabe sense. He looked 
like a, a huge threat who was bested by Star on his best day. Yeah. As it like he he didn't come away looking weak or anything. Well, Star did all manner of shit to make sure that he he didn't lose his hair. Well, he's losing his hair anyway. <laughs> like uh, like not now. Didn't lose it all at once. Uh, but yeah, there's some of the stuff with the 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 uh, wax on the chest. Yeah. That was just so. Br- I've never seen that done before. No. In a match. And to the blood that was coming out of his chest room from having it waxed. Uh, and then, like, he came off the balcony and there was uh, the guardrail guard spot. spot and the two power bombs into thumbtacks. Uh, it's just a brutal match. So, it, there were so many thumbtacks. And the, the first Doctor Bomb, like, and I realised to some degree... At that point, it's almost just not selling. It's just the real reaction. But Star sold it so well. (laughs) Like, he... Osprey has has kind of brought the old scream cell back into prominence. And there are several times when it doesn't work. He has toned it down a little bit. He has. Which he's been told by several people that maybe it would be better. Every time I saw a wrestler that he knew, I was like, can you please tell Will Osprey to stop screaming so loud? Um... But yeah, Star, like the screaming in this match is really like, it, it suited the match. And it it wasn't overused. It it just felt like the right reaction to what had happened. And then like, Jörn just walks over to him, like pulls him up and says, ah, I'm going to do that again. <laughs> Second Dr. Bomb into the, in, into the thumbtacks. And then that got an incredible reaction when he kicked out. Um, At yeah. that point, I was like, they might be over-egging it because, like, how, where do you go from there? It was... They went right up to the brink, and then the match ended, and it was yeah. perfect. Like, if if the if Jern had kicked out of the finish, and they'd have gone and done something else, it probably would have gone into the territory of... Uh, you, the moves feel like they're stop, stopping... That they're losing some of their meaning at this point. <coughs> but, yeah, it was it was magical. And... To, like I hate walk and brawls. I'm not the biggest hardcore fan. This match had a a walk and brawl, brawl and it was about as hardcore as you get. And yeah, I absolutely adored it. Um, yeah. I think that speaks volumes for for the match that they put together and the, the job that they did with the storyline. Hardcore matches in general, it's so hard to balance the violence on one hand and then the pace on the other hand. If if the pace ends up too high. Then the means can fi- the moves can feel like you know the big in- spots can feel yeah inconsequential they lose their meaning if the pace is too low and you have the violence high then you get a lot of downtime and mm. the match loses its momentum or um, it's a fine line to walk but I, I think they did a really good job of it and it's they very easy walk, to the walk and brawl was a bit too long but then they had to get yeah. from one place to another to they get to the next spot so yeah they had to you know it was it was necessary for the balcony dive yeah um, and and the spot with uh, Sebastian Harmonicle as well where uh, I thought Jürgen was trying to throw yeah. him over the uh, over the balcony because at the start of the show um, I don't know if this is going to be on tape but Jürgen uh, kind of attacked Harmonicle with um the Clippers. Um, yeah, and took, like, a piece of his hair out. Before, like, um... Oh, what was his name? The the old champion who had cancer. Um, Carsten Beck. Yeah. 
uh, he like unplugged them to save him. So we just got the the little bit from yes, the front. <laughs> to be fair, you couldn't actually tell that he had it done to him. I but... walked past him really close a couple of times, and I was looking to see if I could see where the hair had come out from. <laughs> you give it the hair, or yeah. like you stick hair. a little patch of hair on and then yeah. just pull it off. Or... <laughs> 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 he, you know, he he sold it well. That was it was a fun little spot. Um, like it, the walkable was the worst part of the match, but by the end of the match, you weren't thinking of it. Yeah, because it was right near the beginning. And yeah, they did a whole bunch of really violent and stuff. It, so. it was, it felt necessary, and it didn't like really drag the match down. Um, so yeah, and pace wise, if uh, match like these with so many big spots, a lot of the time, the downfall of them is the setup time. But I thought they managed to all the big spots. They managed to work in quite naturally without it feel like set up spot, big spot, do big spot, set up next big spot, do big spot. Like for the guardrail spot, they had like a guardrail draped over kind of the merch area and yeah, the, the back barricade. of the merch area and the barricade that separates the merch area off. So. And they were kind of they were fighting over the position of the barricade as they were setting it up. So it all felt quite natural. There wasn't like a I'm going to hit you a couple of times, you're going to lie down a bit where I set up the spot and then we'll fight over who takes the spot. Um, yeah, it, it was masterfully done and I loved it. It was my match of the night. It's going to take some topping for the rest of the tournament. Um, it I was... enjoyed the crowd being split as well and it was very much uh, the Brits and the Irish being like pro yearn and the Germans being pro star. Oh, typical smarky British fans cheering the heel. Classic. But I think that <laughs> I think that really helped the match. As yeah. Well. It yeah. helped because with Star, sometimes the the crowd are a little slow to respond to him. I think, mm. and it pushed them to to actually start chanting for him like way early in the match, and that created a kind of a dynamic in the building. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and by the end of the match, because the match was built so well, you couldn't help but root for Star. So the the star like just, just took so stopped. many so many horrible. Oh yeah, he was so sympathetic by the end. Him, yeah. just like even like before most of the big spots, his chest was already bleeding from being whacked. Black so spot. he had the sympathy of everyone. The, the staple gun to the head as well, yeah. so he's bleeding from the head. <laughs> like, you could like see you wall. could see Star was gimmicking the the, the staples on Yearn because like there was quite a big gap, and maybe it was just our angle because we were quite elevated. Yeah. You could see like. The staple gun was like perpendicular to the top of his heads, and because heads are somewhat spherical, obviously somewhat. it wasn't touching um, his head. That wasn't the case for for Yearn doing it. He, he just seemed like he was going all in on it. Yeah, he was having a really good time. <laughs> he enjoys dishing out some violence, especially to, it's to David. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna shave my head, then. You know, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get some in. We're gonna get the receipts in first. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was my favorite match of the night. I thought the we've talked about the Okami match a bit, having like the best minute stretch of the night, um, and then that kind of the other match that was up there, I think, for people was the Ringkampf versus CCK match, and I think what maybe brought it down a little for me was that we saw a very similarly structured match yeah, not long ago uh, at Rev Pro 
Oh, no, I was thinking of the Aussie Open versus CCK match. Oh, so there's another one as well, then. Um, which is, you were uh, there for that. The... I wasn't at it, but I have seen it. But the I swear I was stood next to you for that. The Oh, yeah, no. If we talk about the Aussie Open match. Oh, yeah. Yes, I was, I was stood next to you there. And, but, like, Volta and um, Gresham had a... Like, a very similar, at points, spot for spot similar, like, story through the match as Davis and Rasham had in Red Pro. Yeah, which, I think it's very It was still good. It was, I still really enjoyed the match, but, like, maybe if it was the first time seeing that story, yeah. I would have enjoyed it a bit more. Yeah, I, Chris Brooks is very good at putting matches together. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, he has borrowed from... <clears throat> He has borrowed from other stuff that he's already done, so it's not like he's. I mean, he works so regularly that. Yeah, yeah he works <laughs> like all the time, but you can always tell like his uh, fingerprints are on a match like that because it's just it just seems to flow so well, like everything kind of makes sense. It's action, but like you can often tell a Chris Brooks match because there's kind of like a the match feels like it's got a little smirk on, <laughs> yeah. like. Like, you, you've got Gresham going through all the way, being, like, just, I don't know how, like, cheeky, basically. <laughs> yeah. Very, <laughs> and then, very cheeky towards Walter. Yeah, and, um, and yeah, like, Tass is, over this weekend, I've I've grown to appreciate Tass even more as, like, he's so good at working those spots into to matches. He, he did it in the the Julian Pace match in a circle where he did yeah, the, the elbow. The elbow. Yeah. And at, at this this one, um, repeatedly, they were isolating Thatcher and then either Gresham or Brooks would come over to the corner, like chop Volta, run away. Volta would go to get into the ring and Tass would like block him off. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that happened a few times. And then Brooks and Gresham double team for quite a while <coughs> and um like Tass was like one of you has to get out of the ring I'm getting quite annoyed here one of you has to get out of the ring uh, and then I, th- I think it was Brooks ran over and, and chopped Walter again and Tass went to stand in the way and then kind of looked back at them and was like they still haven't got out of the ring I'm going to let Walter just yeah. go in Brooks, uh, Brooks had Thatcher in a hole so I guess yeah. it was Gresham that went and hit Walter uh, and then Walter came in and broke up the hole <laughs> yeah, with, with extreme a, prejudice <laughs> And, like, you could see Taz kind of, like, looking at it and was like, oh, you know what, I'm not going to get in the way this time because you're, you're, you're breaking the rules a little bit, so I'm just <laughs> going to allow this. And, like... Um, it's just a little hand gesture. Yeah, it's like, go on in. <laughs> um, and then, uh, like, Gresham just looked so upset. He was like, no, no, you're supposed to, like, stop him. You've ruined the whole plan. Oh, that's not... Ah. <laughs> it was it was lovely. Um, and, you know, the, the match had great action, too. Like, I don't... I don't want to like make it come across like I didn't really enjoy this. I, I probably had the yeah, I'd have this at like three and three quarters, so it's no means damning it or anything. Um, yeah, this was this was really good. Uh, my favourite spot in the match was uh, when Volta went to slam uh, Gresham, and Gresham yeah. kind of hung on like a reverse crucifix. Like, type <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was trying to get him into like a. <laughs> I guess it would technically be a submission hold on somebody else, but Walter, it was just an irritation. <laughs> and he just wouldn't let go. He got the arm, like, he got like hooked around the arm so he couldn't slam it. Walter was doing like the whole <laughs> slam motion, but then like 
he'd let go, but Gresham would still be on him, and he kind of like <laughs> rolled his eyes, tried a few times, then eventually like goes for a press slam, and Gresham slips out. Yeah, that was. That, that was, was really well done. That's like an example of how Gresham was in this match. I think yeah. it was outstanding. Um, that's just reminded me, and I guess it's a, a decent transition of another, not similar spot, but it was connected in my brain. Um, it was in the Aussie Open versus Team Suplex, so Jeff Cobb and... Suplex. Indeed. Um, and Angelico match. And I think, I think it was uh, Kyle... Fletcher, who had um, Angelico on his shoulders, and then Jeff Cobb just walks over and picks up mm-hmm. um, onto his shoulders Kyle Fletcher, while Kyle Fletcher still has Angelico on his shoulders, yeah, mid-move, and it was Fletcher's so effortless. Going for like, a, like a Death Valley driver, some yeah. drop kind of setup, and then Cobb just walked over and picked them up. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't like, it wasn't like the... Elgin does kind of a spot where you pick up two guys, but it always looks a bit forced because he's picking them up in a, a very deliberate way. He's yeah. got one on the shoulders and, yeah, and one and like a fall away slam. And Tyler Bates as well does the, yeah, the, the swing airplane and the, spin giant. And the swing. setup always looks a bit like. Yeah, you know what's coming. Yeah. And, but this was literally just. This was just. was happening and Jeff just came along and picked, picked them, them both <laughs> up. And it, it, it looked. It was amazing how effortless it looked, especially as like. Fletcher's noticeably been bulking up. And, yeah. You know, he's been told to by <laughs> Tanahashi and others and stuff. So, you know, he's taken it. And, you know, he's just, um, the, the mobility is 100% still there. He, he's still not like a, a big guy, but he, he doesn't look, he, he's still probably got the association in his mind with us from what he was as like the skinny guy. He's not really anymore, is no, he? No, no, he's put on a lot of weight. Um, he looks great. Like uh, Davis has dropped weight, so they're... Yeah, they're, they're, they're slowly <laughs> working towards meeting in the wet middle. It'd be really weird if one day Carl was the big one. <laughs> I mean, he's young enough that it could happen. But they'd have like... to swap the match around. <laughs> <laughs> or just turn into like a War Raiders style team. <laughs> um, yeah, this that was a, another fun match. I didn't think it was on the, the level of some of the other tag matches. No, it was pretty, I thought Angelico was probably the weak link in it. Yeah, um, I think that's kind of a pattern doing... at this point. Yeah, everyone else was kind of real slick with the, what they were doing, but Angelico was just a little bit clunky with like running strikes and stuff. Like he keeps, yeah, he keeps his doing running knee. Like, yeah, he keeps doing flying knees, and I'm like, you can clearly see it's not like, where it needs to be. He kind of, I guess I describe it as like his flying knees feel like they're floated. Like they, yeah. they, they. Not only do they not connect because you know they're not supposed to connect, obviously, yeah, yeah. but they. They feel like they. It looks like they slow down a lot before they finish. Like they're going fast at one point, and then like as he's within like a foot of someone, they're slowing down to a snail's pace, and then stopping like half a foot away. Yeah, and it's like uh, it. Uh, it he did that. It could have. It could have been made worse again by our angle because when you're elevated, I think like misses are always more obvious than when you're on the floor. But that doesn't necessarily completely excuse it either. Yeah, I think he's got to work on it. Um, I have issues with a couple of guys for, for doing stuff like that. Mark Andrews is another one that I feel like a lot of his spots that are supposed to be missed spots are like way out from where they need to be. Like a, uh, his opponent having to duck a clothesline that is 
way over over their head. Yeah, it was and, never hitting them in the first yeah, place. Yeah, and, and things like that. <laughs> Which is amazing from someone the height of Andrews. Yeah, so. but he's actually, he swings up. Yeah. He swings up and goes over people's heads. I don't know why I've just started up in a gun like <laughs> Andrews in the middle. <laughs> I get, you get the feel that, like, once he did it at his regular height and someone tried to duck and he screwed up and ever since then he's like oh, I'm going to make 100% sure I'm going to swing vertically um, with, with a missed spot I always feel like it has to look like it was going to be something Yeah. and quite often you're like somebody coming off the top rope and like into a choke on, slam oh, or the guy on the, oh. the floor puts his foot up and you just kind of jump and like, like what were you trying to do there? like yeah. what move were you doing you were, were you, doing were a jump doing... stand next to them and what and then what stamp <laughs> on them was it a super Tarkan as like <laughs> oh that should be Tarkan's finisher he should just like <laughs> jump off lean the top into rope it and stomp on someone <laughs> not like a double foot stomp jump land then stomp, stomp. Yeah, that would be perfect. Um, I think it's made even worse by Angelico because his offense is quite strike based. Like with with um, with Andrews, yeah, it's mostly high flying, so it's not it's not like a big part of what he does. With Angelico, like a lot of his big moves are either kicks or knees, and they don't always look the best. Okay. So He's surprisingly tall. He is. Like, he I didn't realise how tall he was until he walked past me the once, and I was like, oh, you are actually like a wrestler-sized yeah. wrestler. Because <laughs> I always thought he just looked really small because he's kind of skinny, but like he is just tall. Lanky, yeah. yeah. This is a good match, though. Like, But I, if there's one team in this tournament who I think will kind of be in the... Their match will be the least favourite match of every night, it's probably going to be suplex, I'd say. Yeah, and I don't think any of that's on, on Cobb either. No. Because Cobb's fun. Yeah. He, um, he kind of gels well with people, and like his power spots always work with, with other people. In general, I've never been a huge fan of Cobb's like singles work, but I think he works really well as a tag wrestler. Yeah, I think fair. in singles, singles sometimes his gets, flow uh, he just gets, gets tired and uh, I, I get a bit bored sometimes. Yeah, he's well suited to... The hot tag, basically. Being a house of fire. A couple of amazing double team moves where he's throwing two people around at once. Throwing one person into another. Throwing his partner into other people and that sort of deal. Um, so, yeah, this is a good spot for him. But Angelico, like, just in general, his work hasn't been impressing me. I mean, he's not shite or anything. But like no, he's... he's He's, he's fine, just, he's but... below a lot of the yeah. other guys that we like. So. No one else in this tournament is just fine. So, by by virtue of that, he, he kind of stands out on the lower end. But, you know, he's he's not having... You know, this wasn't a bad match. I think I would have probably had it, like, three and a quarter, three and a half or something. Yeah, that's probably... And when that's the worst tournament match of the night, that was yeah. pretty positive for the, the tournament stuff. Yeah, well, that's what, kind of where I was at on like a rating but that's why your ratings always confuse me because like your top end is squeezed down so it's like you have like a half a star in between <laughs> this like but that there was more than that surely like, especially on a show like this like um, if it's below three stars then I'm thinking it's at least not maybe not fully bad but at least kind of boring or like 
Two and a half, I think, of was like an okay match. Like two stars, two and two, a half. Two and a half is, is okay. my default rating. So like, um, if I haven't paid attention to a match when I'm reviewing it, yeah, and I'm like kind of exposing my, my attention. Here, yeah, um, like if I had to like do something and it's a live show and I've walked away and come back. Uh, if you see that two and a half star rating, I haven't written very much. Probably yeah. didn't see the match at all. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, saw the match from a distance while doing <laughs> yeah. something else. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, this was this was fine. Um, we're missing a tag match. Uh, yeah, JFK, JFK and They've had better matches. This was solid again, like uh, probably three and a half range. Yeah, I think uh, they very much came in and did the JFK are very good at heat at the moment. Yeah. Um, so they came in and did that match because they were coming off the back of uh, Akami and the Lucha Brothers, which everyone in the building loved that. So. Yeah. It was very hard to follow. Like uh, we were behind the commentary, so uh, I don't know where he was going. Maybe get some water or something. But like Alan walked past us mm-hmm. just after that match, and he's fucked me sideways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was kind of a, the four-hour rating on uh, Akami and Lucha Brothers, and it was deserved. So yeah, JFK Monster Consulting though did something a lot slower, and it was fine. Oh, um, it was fine. Yeah. It, it was good. Um, just didn't stand out on this show. Kind of similar to the the other match, but in a you kind of felt that um, the Aussie Open suplex match they went out to have a great match and fell a bit short. Yeah. yeah. Whereas this match, it kind of felt like it was what it was meant to be. Yeah. You get that sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I completely understand that. Um, like they, they, this, these two teams have gone out and had better matches in the past when put in like a, a semi-main or something. Whereas this was fairly early in the first half. Uh, yeah, I think they tried to balance the card um, by not like throwing out a bunch of four-star matches or attempts at four-star matches like one mm-hmm. after another. Um, so, like for example, open match was uh, Mako Satomura and, and Tony Storm, and it, yeah, really, it wasn't it was, very long. It was really short, and they kept it fairly basic. And yeah. it was. It was it was. It felt a bit like an inner circle match, and that it was a taste of a taste ahead of Femme Fatale. Yeah, it was more a come to Femme Fatale's yeah. match rather than a, a competitive contest. When you see like Tony Storm versus Mako Satomura on a card, you immediately think, "Wow, that's going to be great." They didn't try to make that that one. That no, great. and that's the same with the Monster Consulting yeah. tag. It was like it helped balance the cards so the highs were mm-hmm. higher, and. As you kind of alluded to, um, having it follow Akami versus Lucha Bros, like, even if they'd have tried to have, like, an indie spot fest, well, spot fest is maybe a bit unfair, because that wasn't what the Lucha Bros Akami match was, but it was like, an indie high-paced work rate match, mm. I guess. It wouldn't have been as, it would have maybe suffered in comparison just because, you know, those four guys are less suited to a, an indie um, high work rate match than the the previous okay. match. They're, they're more story definitely um, raised their standard for for the in ring yeah. um, over the last year or so. So they they are capable of having that match. With they're somebody, capable. But they don't need to. But they're better character. suited to like um. I'd say a narrative driven match, but I don't mean like a, a all cap story match where like the the aim is to progress a story, but more like tell a story within a match. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's their strength, like um, working over a body part and telling the match around a body part, something like that. 
Um, so what matches haven't we discussed? We did, this four uh, way? The four way we haven't done. Uh, that was probably the it, low really. point. The of... four way. Um, yeah, so that was Julian Pace, Lucky Kid, uh, Freddie Ahoy, and Emil Satachi, the for the shotgun title, uh, number one contendership. Yeah, it was. I think it was the weakest part of the card, but at the same time, it kind of did its job. Yeah, well, I think the Julian job got was, a good pop when he won. Yeah, well, Lucky Kid was kind of the focal point of a lot of it. Um, so he, he has the best shtick of any of those guys. So like, he just came out and did a, did all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Hit, the, hit the shtick and um, and then pace one because uh, Lucky Kid's actually wrestling for GWF tonight. I think. Oh, no, okay. no, is it tonight? The, well, he's wrestling shots. on Sunday. Yeah, he's wrestling somewhere else anyway. I knew that beforehand, so I knew the lucky yeah. kid wasn't winning. Um, but yeah, I kind of thought someone might turn, but I think this is fine as it is. Yeah, you had Alani come up beforehand and cut a promo, and though like Arn, I think you speak basically no German, and I speak minimal German. I speak very little German. Yeah, like I I, I could understand parts of the promo, but like it's a um. I'm bad enough at the language that I can't really tell if he's a good promo, but his cadence and stuff, it all seemed pretty natural. That um, seemed a lot better than, than what he has been doing. He seemed better suited to... He's just a better side. heel. He's, yeah. But then I said that a year ago. Mm-hmm. I thought he'd be better off as a heel. Because, um, you know, this was the, almost the anniversary of um, the, the big turn. Mm. Um, and I remember at the time we were kind of ahead of time we were thinking maybe Alani turns on Andy I, I flat and out never... said that like if if you listen back to the yeah. last year's Tag League uh, podcast I said the day before that I thought Alani was turning on and then obviously it was the, the opposite way around but and you know it worked out brilliantly because look at what Andy's done unfortunately he's uh, we, we've just read the news that he's, he's not going to be in the triple threat tomorrow um, he's out injured because he was too much of a legend chugging pints or something. Um, <laughs> I don't know how he got himself injured. Maybe the belt was just really heavy because he was posing with it all night. But... <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, at the same time, this is, compared to Carrot um, title shots or last year's title, like world title shot, this was my least anticipated match. So, like, if... if um, Volta, Ilya, I don't know, Volta, Ilya, Badbones has had to be changed. Well, that's a weird example because it kind of was changed into that match <laughs> at, at Carrot. It would have, like, that would have been a far bigger loss than what we've lost here. Um, yeah, well, I was saying that I thought it was, it was going to be a bit difficult. It was going to be a bit of a clash of styles. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of happy they've gone a different route, but then... <laughs> It's weird because like Bobby Gunn's got himself a title shot by winning a shortcut to the top, mm-hmm. and he hasn't actually got a title shot. Well, this is going to be for the interim challenge. Yeah, but if he loses that, does he then not have a title shot? Because that would be unfair, I think. Yeah, I mean, like it might be how it depends how long Andy's out for because we don't have much info. If Andy's out for like well, this seven is very months, new news, yeah, so we literally like. Read it. We were messaged it as we woke up, uh, which was not long ago at this point. Um, and like, so if Andy's out for like several months, they might like treat the interim champion as the champion. So then, in a way, Gunn's got a title shot, even if he lost. It was kind of a title shot against Ilya. 
we got a bit distracted there. We were talking about the four-way. Um, it was... So Alani came out early, um, ahead of the match, and you kind of mentioned uh, a turn happening ahead of time, uh, and that kind of put it in my head. Um, so then for the, the initial promo where Alani was saying, and, you know, I may have been mistranslating, but I think he was, uh, he started, he was kind of going person by person with the, because it was a four-way, so there was a guy in each corner, he was the centre of the ring, he cuts kind of a long promo, I putting himself over in general, and then he's like, it doesn't matter who wins, because you're just going to lose to me tomorrow anyway. Come on, what have you done in NWXW, turning to um, Lucky, Lucky Kid, then Pace, and he's repeating it each time, and then Yay Hi, and then he turns to Satoshi and kind of looks at him and goes, eh, and then <laughs> <laughs> turns yeah. away. And then I think he said something about his physique, and like you, you guys don't have the physique of any of um, of me. And he says it's to Lucky Kid, he says it to uh, Pace, says it to Yay Hi, then turns to Satoshi, and Satoshi's there just he, like he popping his pecs, <laughs> and he, he kind of goes showing off his arms. Eh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, so that kind of, it felt like a tease of Satoshi turning, and what I maybe thought would happen is, like, they'd tease Satoshi turning in the match, and then maybe Yehai would turn, yeah. or Pace would turn, as, like, kind of the, the swerve. That kind of felt like what it was going for. In the end, no one turned. Um, Lucky Kid went for a, a backspring elbow, and um, Alani hit him with a title shot on to the back on the outside and then for yeah, the rest of the match he was selling the back like death um, and that kind of led to the finish I think um, the roll up so uh, it was uh, Lucky Kid kind of went for some maybe a power bomb or some sort of move and then kind of dropped down because his back was hurt and then Julian Pace jumped in his back and did a um is he doing a move on somebody else? Yeah, uh, I think Julian Pace, like... So Lucky Kid was going to do the powerbomb, kind of pushed him away, went down with his back, holding his back. Julian Pace ran in, I think drop-kicked him, like low drop-kicked him, the other guy rolled out the ring, and then he jumped on Lucky Kid and did like a sunset flip bomb. And that was the finish. Yeah. It was, you know, it was, it was fine. Um... The beginning of the match was a bit eye-rolly, I found. Um, they were kind of doing semi-comedy stuff. Yeah, but you don't want comedy anymore. No. So, you know, I'm, I'm always going to be the low man on that sort of thing. And then the middle of the match kind of was there. Yeah. But by the yeah. end, Julian got a good pop. He got a good reaction, which, you know, bodes well for the title shot tomorrow. Yeah, well, overall, a, a very strong show for, for like the opening night, which is traditionally the weakest. Um, mm-hmm. For that to be that strong, it yeah, like it could be in for a, it's a, usually like a great tag league weekend. Sometimes they sacrifice some match quality to set stuff up for later in the weekend. I feel and like they we, did bits they of did that. that with Michael and Tony for sure. Yeah. That was, like a come watch Femme Fatales match. They did it in the four way, but at the same time, I don't think that match was ever going to be anything special, so it wasn't any great loss. And then, other than that, it was just a, a really strong show, but at the same time, it did leave stuff on the table um, 
I was actually discussing with more like in terms of people winning. Um, he was like, Akami losing that match threw me off completely because I can't see them going through with zero points. But now I'm confused because like they. He that was thinks, the match he thought they were going to win. He, he 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 had that as like a lock for them to win and then lose out from there because you know then. Who who knows? I guess, but neither of us thought Akami had much of a chance of making the final. I I don't really know where they're going. No, it's it's very hard to read. We we kind of came to the conclusion we think Akami might go lose their first two matches and then spoil ring camp. But then we were like, uh. and I think a lot of people came in thinking JFK would make the final. But if JFK make the final. I feel like it kind of limits their opponents mm. because if, like a, a JFK versus uh, who's in the other block? I've confused the block so many times in my head already. Well, who's in the other block opposite JFK? That'd yeah. be the ring camp for CCK. Uh, yeah. Lucha Bros. So if Okami's spoiling, um, Okami's spoiling ring camp, which we think might be happening um, to prevent Okami going winless then that probably means CCK are going to the final. But there's something about CCK versus JFK that doesn't feel big enough for yeah. a tag seen, final. After seeing that first uh, match, of, well, the first series of matches, I can totally see Monster Consulting uh, going to the final because no, yeah. like, no team has ever like retained. But again, does Monster Consulting versus CCK feel... Right, um, Mo- would, either of those I teams. Would into that. I would be into it, but it, I don't know. There's something about the me and Mort were discussing it again, and like something doesn't quite feel right about it. it doesn't quite feel big in the way that like Ringkamp versus Monster Consulting that feels like a tag league final. Ringkamp versus JFK feels like a tag league mm. final. CCK versus. Um, if Rinkham hadn't, hadn't won it last year, then I would just be mm-hmm. absolutely certain they were winning it. Yeah. I mean, maybe they are just going back to back, and but I I feel like Rinkham probably aren't making the final. Um, I've got it in my head that like Tim Thatcher is, is going to have some singles, big singles matches. It coming feels up. like it. If, <clears throat> we're, we're kind of discussing this with I can't remember who it was. It was some Germans um, some the other Germans. day. <laughs> There's a lot of them in Germany. Yeah, um, them. And although in Oberhausen at the moment, it feels like half the people are English and Irish. So, um, but where was I going? Oh yeah, we were kind of talking of like who would be winning the triple threat, and we, I think, we both kind of thought Andy would retain. Yeah, which um, he has. He's retained. He knows where way, the stones yes. are. Yeah. Um, and that... Oh, it could be a... It could be a fake injury. I don't think so. But, like, with that promo, it would kind of make sense. Right? Yeah. Like, a, an old veteran move, make them think you're not going to be in the match, and then, I don't no, know, I don't... turn up midway through and join the match a bit yeah. of pressure or something silly like that. I mean, but... I don't like the idea of a fake injury, but at the same time... It, it would fit would, the Andy it character. It would be in character because he's a dick, and... It would explain the 
How's he got injured? How's he got injured doing nothing? <laughs> <laughs> Apart from smashing points at the bar. And uh, eating at the same place as us. Um, but yeah, kind of going back to where we're going, we kind of thought the the direction would be Andy retains, Bobby Guns and Ilya spin off into a singles feud mm. because Ilya needs something to do kind of away from the title. And then we were like, I think one of the Germans asked, well, then who does Andy face? And we both kind of answered, yeah, Thatcher. Thatcher. Thatcher's the logical logical <clears throat> route there. Um, he is entirely over enough for a, a world title program in, in WXW. Uh, and my kind of view was either Thatcher would be the one to dethrone him, or if not, then Thatcher losing via devious means leads perfectly into a Volta program, Ooh. an anti-Volta program, which is, you know, those two have got a lot of history from, what, like four plus years back, but they haven't faced much recently, if at all. Yeah, I can't think of. All. And no. that feels like a world title program that would make a lot of sense eventually, <coughs> and the, the Thatcher match could make a lot of sense there, which is a very roundabout way of saying we think Thatcher's going into a more singles route, so we don't think he's going to be... Thank At God. minimum, winning. Yeah. <clears throat> he could still make the final, and Akami could beat CCK. Well, uh, let's just see what happens with that. Yeah. Like there'll be more speculation after night two, so mm-hmm. we'll be doing this again tomorrow, and things will drop more into place. Yeah. Uh, but in general, you guys mentioned this a bit on the preview, but I want to like harp on it a bit. Even before tonight, I think WXW have booked a. I remember talking about Super Strong Style a couple of years ago, maybe, it might have been this year, I don't know. Um, no, I think it was the year Travis Banks won it, Yeah, um, and we were talking um, about, and it's a slightly different dynamic being a knockout tournament compared to a league, but we're talking to like, it doesn't feel like there's many people who can win this, and it makes it feel quite predictable, whereas there's a there's a case for like, you could probably make a case for every team, and... You can make six strong cases for teams winning, or maybe five if you're taking out Rinkamp. But you, I think I, you probably still could make a strong case for Rinkamp winning, even though I probably don't think it's happening. Well, but, I can't see Akami so winning. Right. And I can't see Team Six winning. Yeah, those are the two I was thinking of. You can't really make a case for. Every other team, it feels possible. Probably not Lucha Brothers. Either, probably they're, they're, not, but you could 100% see them in the final. Yeah, because it, it would feel like a big deal. Yeah. So. Like, you can't see them winning because of the tag titles that's associated with it. I think would be the reason in my head, because they're not going to be around enough to defend them. Right? Yeah. And also, kind of, in recent years, WXW, because their core roster, their domestic roster, has got so strong, the winners of these tournaments have been... Guys who are around regularly. Or deservedly, obviously. But, yeah. Um, but, you know, you look back historically, you've had a lot of imports win these big competition, uh, big tournaments, so it's not out of the question that um, an outsider team wins. Yeah, well, I'd be interested to see where they go with it, because, like you said, there's a lot of potential winners here, which is, I don't remember the last time I saw any tournament where I could make a case for, like, over half the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah really. Um, I think the most in, I mean, like, even with, like, G1, you're looking at maybe four people at the most that yeah. I thought might win it. So, 
Maybe stuff like like a bowler okay. because like it's a less structured promotion kind of yeah. in that like that's, that's and because they're bringing in actually. super names, lots there's lots a lot of people who can win. But then at the same time, it's almost always a regular. And because especially in recent times, bowler has been like a we're bringing in guys from all over the world. A lot of people who we don't usually use. To be fair, I don't actually remember who won bowler this year, but. Um, uh, it would be a spoiler for anyone that isn't getting the the if you're ordering like the DVDs. Good no, point. It would technically be a spoiler. So we so won't say. Not going to say. Um, but ignoring this year because I don't know who's won. Um, before that, it's always been like a, a Ricochet who's there all the time, a Kyle O'Reilly who's there all the time, a Zach who's there all the time. It's not going to be like um, an Ilya this year. Unless it was, I don't know. Um, I don't think it would have been. No, um, like a guy who's they're they're like big draw in that like he's never been there before, and they brought him in first time for a bowler. Where so may, maybe even more higher percentage of the field could win here than even a bowler. So yeah, it's it's uh, props to them. Way off the beaten track here, Rob. Yeah, uh, we need to go and get some lunch. This is very true. Tiles, so. Uh, we we'll off here. Call that a day. That was night one. It was really good. Uh, we're fired up for Fentatiles and night two. And props to uh, the Morton Mark connection for winning the Oberhausen Open. Yes, well done, lads. In a bit. Hey, future Rob here. Um, the next section was recorded straight after Femme Fatales in the WXW Media Centre. Unfortunately, um, that takes place very close to the WXW practice ring where some of the guys were laying out some of their matches, so the audio quality isn't brilliant. It's actually worse than I thought it would be at the time. Uh, I've done kind of what I can with it, but it, yeah, it's not great. Um, so, if it's unbearable for you, just skip ahead 20 minutes and you'll go straight into the World Tag Team League Night 2 discussion. Hello, viewers. Uh, we've just been to Camp Patals, uh, so we're going to talk about it. I'm with Rob, again. Still me. Still Rob. And we've got a special guest with us, uh, second in this year's Euro draft, Lee Malara. Painfully close. <laughs> so close, so you close. You only missed that by a couple of votes. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Plus, One of them was on, so. so uh, I also did vote for myself. Makes it a bit weird. <laughs> I, I, I did vote for Lee as well, so. Okay, come off that. Um, I'm not going to gloat. I've already. I did my gloating last year. So we. we just, some of it actually made the podcast. Yeah, a lot of it. So I went for about 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> Only like, a slight exaggeration. <laughs> but no, it really wasn't quite long. Um, so, Femme Fatale, we're really excited about this on paper. Um, the first round matches all look pretty strong. Uh, so, we're going to just kind of go through and like, uh, chat about it. Uh, we're actually recording this in uh, WSB Media Center. We're actually using it for its uh, intended purpose. And there's, there's like four podcasts being recorded around this. Um, so, the first match on the show, this is a hell of a way to start it off. Like I said, tomorrow versus Vesna. I thought, I was a bit conflicted by this, because when I first watched it, I came in with super high hopes, because 
Besner is someone who has had a hundred percent hit rate with me <laughs> in like I've only seen her in like four matches. Yeah, but I've loved all of them. So and you pair her with Mako Satomura, who has a very reasonable shout for being the best women's wrestler of all time. Like yeah. that's not an outlandish take. Um, she's one of my top five wrestlers in the world, regardless yeah. of like, gender. Mm. So when you pair those two factors, expectations are, you know, I guess, understandably going to be sky high. So I was maybe a tad disappointed, but then it came to the end of the first round matches, and I was like, no, that was the best of them, still, and it was it was very good. It I just wasn't it's it wasn't great. Expectations for it were so high. I've written a but I felt it was cynical and scrappy at the same time. That's kind of what you get from Besner, isn't it? Yeah. Like, like she, it was, she brings a rough edge, but you always feel like she's completely in control. Yeah. But that's, that's basically how I felt about it. It was pretty cynical and scrappy. It was actually my first time to see Besner in person, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. And then, fairly hard hitting. Um, Miko is Miko. I mean, I saw her for the first time in person last week at OTT. And see her again, and just I, I actually quite enjoyed it. I'd be more the opposite of Rob, but that was quite enjoyable. No, I, I don't get it wrong. I did enjoy it. I just uh, I'm just very grumpy and uh, and had high expectations, which is yeah, which is fair enough. I think his natural state is grumpy, so that was virtually a positive. <laughs> <laughs> There was some really good stuff in this. I like uh, Mako bringing the fighting spirit and popping back up after that, that big juice. So I was actually writing down, like, it was a nice packed match. Uh, I looked up and Mako had gone from taking this big boot tackle. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> For a podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, again, podcast, but I did a, I did a, a full fire up face. <laughs> yeah. Fire up <laughs> face. Fighting spirit on Um And I really like uh, Vesna doing um, like a big uh, backsplash because. Mako's like made of muscle, so she can take pretty much any of those tiny spots. So she just threw herself straight into it and came down with all the right bad stuff. So now, move on. Looks very good though, very good uh, opening match, best match the first round. I would agree. Uh, yeah. We've got um, next match is Orgy Boy from Hungary against uh, Lily McKenzie. And during this match, uh, uh, Gary, uh, Irish Gary, um, yeah. said that uh, Millie had not actually won a match in WXW before this one. Like she hadn't been there too. I know she hasn't wrestled very much, but I was I had probably thinking about it. I don't think she has. Um but she has now because she beat Bit Audrey Wild in this one. Um probably somebody who has been on my uh, radar ever since we the first year of that because we were really short on, on European Marine to talk about mm-hmm. and I went looking for Somebody else that's obscure. Yeah. yeah, so I watched a single of her variants a few years ago, and I just thought she was too rough to be But that was three years ago. Yeah, but she's a lot better now, and um, it's really pleasing to see that uh, she's been given like, an opportunity mm-hmm. like, after going out of her way to improve herself. And it's the same with, um, uh, with Killer Kelly, kind of, you can get uh, yeah. somebody from a smaller market moving into a bigger one. Yeah, they've been small pond into the larger pond and get a chance to kind of match up with more experienced and better wrestlers. I thought she did a decent job. I thought the Killing Kelly comparison was very apt because it did have the feel of, especially seeing Kelly again in this tournament for the second time, uh, yeah. it had the feel of 
she's but Kelly Kelly is her a year on. Yeah. And that's you know the direction she could take. Yeah. But she really throws herself. She into throws it herself into it, and you know she has to get fortunate in that you know WXW have featured Kelly quite heavily over the last year. Yeah, well, Kelly moved here, so yeah. it's, it's kind of a bit different. If the Fortune wanted to, she didn't get to working here. This was my first time seeing Audrey, um, and you know I was impressed, but you could also tell why this was her first time in a on a big stage because there were there were little things like she. She moved around the ring quite tentatively, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Like she, um, she was much worse at that than three years ago. So yeah. she has improved a lot, so that gives me confidence that she's going to keep going. But little things like her being whipped into the bottle, she'd like run and then slow down before, like a lot yeah. before making contact, yeah. and then kind of just stand next to the buckle and lean on it <laughs> instead of hitting it, that sort of thing. But there was a, a DDT she did, which seemed to be almost in slow motion. Yeah. And I mean, look, like you say, if she's only breaking out now in, into bigger places, you can see that there is potential there. Mm-hmm. But she does come from Hungary, which is not exactly a massive wrestling yeah. show. It's might, might be slightly better than in Portugal, but um, yeah, she's not really had the, a lot of opportunities so far. It's nice to see a bit of chance. I thought Millie was really good, and she's always really yeah. good. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny that someone as young as Millie, and you know. In terms of matches, she's probably had more matches than all three, but in terms of time spent, she's way more anyway, green than those. I love the fact that she's now starting to get international exposure because she's yeah. strong. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy, isn't it? It is. But yeah, like we, well, she's got booked for Sendai Girls in Japan, but she probably could have got booked for a Japanese year, yeah. but she <laughs> But like... Uh, Reasonably, we probably should be speaking about Millie the same way we talk about Bride, but she's just such a, an amazing, like, super rookie or whatever that she's she's way past that level of talk already. Yeah. I think this is very much down to Travis Banks. He's spent a lot of time with her yeah. and he's made sure that she's ready for any match that she goes into. Because uh, he, he's doing uh, agent work for Progress while he's mm-hmm. been up injured, so he's very good at laying out matches and stuff, making sure that you don't show weakness and that you accentuate your strengths. And uh, that's very apparent when you move on. Maybe not, uh, not for himself. He's good at doing it for other people. Like it might be one of those things where it's. He's a I think he's a very good wrestler, yeah. but he's a very, very good trainer. It might be one of those things where it's. It's easier to see like weaknesses in other people. Like like when you're yeah. when you're writing a piece for yourself, it's hard to spot your own spelling mistakes. Yeah. But someone else reads it and just goes, "Yeah, how did you miss that? How did you miss that? that sort of thing." Uh, but yeah, this was this was good. Um, I was a bit confused because like she she's dressed and her Titantron is very Kill Bill, right? Mm-hmm. And yet she doesn't wrestle. She, like that didn't seem to be the gimmick when she was wrestling. Yeah, it's just look. Yeah, it's, it's it's a bit of a, a weird mixed message. Um, but to be fair to her, we, we we've been quite critical, constructively critical, I think. Yeah, but she did a very good job of getting the crowd to hate her. Yeah, and that's yeah. you know. She was the first person to go hip. So the first match was very much like a nice house. Yeah. And then uh, was not the first definitive heel on the show, and the only one of two was like Mm-hmm. Drop off and go. Yeah. 
Um, so, moving on, uh, next match is Killer Kelly against uh, Chris Wolf. Um, I think it would be critical. critical Chris Wolf, um, what we were talking about yesterday. Um, but I thought she was better here. Like, it was, um, it was kind of a mixture of shtick and black work and the character blended into the match a bit better than, than she was. Yeah, I, I thought it was better. I think um, Kelly stylistically was a better fit at the point than the fist style. Yeah, um, But I don't think the, <laughs> the gimmick's ever going to be fully for me. But again, she was very over, so... Yeah, yeah I enjoy Chris Wolf's gimmick. I think it's very fun. I think you can't help but smile when yeah. you see her. Like we're saying uh, that we like the character a lot. Mm. We don't so much like the matches. That, um, I think that's fair, yeah. Um, this is better than I, I thought this was this was a good match though. I did really I think um, like Rob says Kenny was a good fit um, so this took me I really enjoyed uh, Chris Wolf did like a double springboard and very fast yeah very fun. Uh, and that kind of caught me a bit by surprise I remember seeing it she might have that's why I have notes I've got notes on I said um yeah, I don't really have a lot of else to say about that, except that um, Killer Kelly debuted in WXD exactly a year ago at this tour, and we said at the time that she had a lot of potential, which needed to like round it out, and I thought she's done a very good job of improving on one of the basics, and bringing that up to the level of her character exactly a year ago, so I think she's, she's better rounded now, yeah. uh, been, been wrestling in a lot more places, and uh, like I said, the Dirty Bride, you move to a, uh, into a bigger territory like Germany, uh, and you get the chance to work with better wrestlers. You work more regularly as well. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it's helped her a lot, an awful lot. She's probably been training for more time than the academy, so yeah, she looked a lot better a year ago. We liked her a year ago. Last year it was, oh, this, this person's got potential and they could be good. Now it's, this person's good. And who knows, in a couple of years, they yeah. might be great. Yeah, we're not sure what the ceiling is for Kelly. I think she's still very young. It's not a very way that we're talking about her, and she might actually just get an earshot. So, moving on. Uh, the last uh, first round match was Luther uh, Stone and Tony uh, Stone. Um, I kind of hated this uh, because I had any match where the whole point of it is uh, like working a body part, uh, and then Lufisto worked out the time stone's leg for a good half of the match, if not more than that, and interspersed with the leg work were various comebacks where Tony would like, flip over and landed heavily on her feet from the ropes, and there were no other effects. And that's just not the way. And I know a lot of very popular and famous wrestlers do this, but I still doesn't make it right. I just didn't do it. Yeah, it's not the most character story for sure. And then it wasn't helped by the, the finish being what it was. Like you had a Melanie Gray. It wasn't even a good distraction finish. She I seemed very confused. She the belt yeah, she passed the belt to Tony. And then Tony kind of looked at it weirdly, put it on the floor, and then like there was an awkward pause for a bit. And but then did she say like 
you're the champion of it was very strange um, it, like if you're going to do a distraction finish in the first round of the tournament and you're not going to do any else then I can live with that but this wasn't even a good distraction finish was it although the um, the burning driver that Lufisto won the match with was crazy good that was the one highlight of the match I thought uh, the spot work was fine but I just didn't enjoy it as part of the yeah. overarching story of the match, which was about the leg work, which didn't show yeah. Except when she kept, she kept going back to it to kind of draw attention to it. Like, well, don't forget your legs are fun. Tony never actually sold him. Yeah, yeah. She just kept tumbling and rolling. Yeah, kept Ibushi in it. Yeah. So I didn't like that. Yeah, no, I've not that. Uh, um, the running, running hammer, running driver, as well, probably. It's definitely the highlight of the match. Yeah, because it, it was like. I think it looks even better than most most burning hammers that Kabashi doesn't do because when, when it happens on the indies they usually it's basically like a reversed attitude adjustment right they, yeah. they land flat yeah. whereas Kabashi you would always land kind of uh, somewhat vertically <laughs> and that would be the, the awesome part of it whereas because um, the fist is quite short she kind of tips them but then drops them rather than flipping them it's kind of hard to describe in audio but you, you land on your shoulders sounds like than, a brain buster yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like a proper bump on the face instead of either like something incredibly dangerous or something overly safe and it looks incredibly nasty but then when you kind of think about it it's kind of it's just the same power bomb really but it looks awesome yeah um, and it wasn't even our most vicious finish of the day. No. <laughs> the other one I wasn't quite sure was was uh, as clean as uh, intended, yeah. but looked equally nasty, if not more. Uh, so after that, we move on to the, the semi-final match. And uh, this, I think, was uh, the first semi-final. Mini McKenzie and, and Michael Satomura, I think, was my favourite match of the night. Afternoon, rather shall I say it's still daytime. Um, I would probably just give the edge to the main event, but I thought it was close between the two. Eh, I don't know. I do. We'll get to the main event, but I have issues with it, whereas I don't really have a lot in the way of issues with it. Um, yeah, I think I'd go with Rob. I think the, the final kind of edge to just, just barely, but um, this was a great match as well. Both so very strong. Yeah, really good. Hmm. I was like, um, this is pointed out to me by uh, Jao, who stood next to me. So, like, every time Millie gets fired up, she tightens her and The old Bailey thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that, that's when she's getting serious, when she tightens her top knot. It's, uh, it's really the business. So I kind of enjoyed that. I can understand if she did like, a couple of the spots, because there was a really, really iffy diamond cutter in this, mm. which um, Johnny stood behind me and um, said, it was a modified <laughs> modified by accident yeah, yeah it, I think Mako wasn't aware of what the spot was until it started happening and I was like I better take it on the not quite the old uh, Jinder Mahal where it completely yeah, no. misses and then he decides to bump. Well, she, was, she was really was quick about realising yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was clearly halfway through the move she was like Oh, I haven't bumped right with this. Let's jump into <laughs> it and see if I can save it. And she kind of did, but not really. In the hands of a less talented and less experienced wrestler, that could just look horrible. Yeah, it would look horrible. But uh, yeah, she kind of saved it. So, a lot of credit to Mako for that. 
That's what I'm talking about. The, um, uh, the Maiko did an arm drag straight into the STF, yeah. which I think was the best uh, piece of technical wrestling we've seen from the entire show. Yeah. It was a beautiful piece of technical wrestling. And um, that SCF was kind of the focus. I don't know why she wanted to have a tap out. I think it's kind of like a, if she's coming to Sendai Girls, it's like a, I'm, I'm the boss of the in Sendai Girls, and I will stretch you to teach you that um, that's the, the pecking order of things. Yeah, because she hit her with the DVD that yeah. she had used in the first rounds to get the win. And then I thought she was gone for the Scorpion Royce, yeah. Sh- she did a little shake of the fingers, yeah. and then she went back to the SDF. I made a tap. Yeah, so. So I think she's making a statement there regarding possibly the Sendai girls involvement. I won't labour the point too much because we kind of already covered it in the first match, uh, her first round match, but it's amazing how how much it looked like Millie fitted here, mm-hmm. considering her age, her experience level, in there with one of the greatest wrestlers <laughs> <laughs> in the world, and she looked very comfortable and at home, really. There's a 20 year age gap in between. And there's a lot of miles on. Yeah, there's a lot of miles on Maycoach Clock. But it just it felt like a very competitive and compelling match. And uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, the other semi final was Fisto and Kelly Kelly. The Fisto again for me is a very pronounced heel of trying She's got a hell of a presence. Yeah. The first time. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a rest of the bag face. So I don't think I've seen a rest of the I don't watch a lot of American English. I think I've seen her work like... Not, she wasn't against the heel. It was kind of like a... Two... There were no clear heel-face yeah, dynamic, and it was just two. Uh, I think it was her versus Jordan Grace or something. It was just like a boss fight, basically. Um, but yeah, she she is made for the heel. There. We, we, I forgot to, to mention it, but I enjoyed it in her first round match when there was a little girl cheering for her, and she just right. So everyone's cheering for uh, yes, everyone was cheering for Tony Storm, and she like tells them all to shut up, and then uh, a few little girls in the front row. Start chanting for her, and then she looks at them and tells them to shut up too. <laughs> that was uh, a lovely moment. But yeah, this this match kind of, I think in this match and the final, even though I am a big fan of Lufisto and I thought she she was very strong this uh, this show, you did also see her her slight weaknesses, being that I think her offense looks incredible. But I think sometimes on the defense, it's not quite as good as you'd like. Like, um, for example, a lot of the time, both here and in the final, she'd take like a, a big kick, she'd take a bump, go mm. down, and then jump straight, go straight, pop straight back up, but then go kind of go wobbly legged mm. and sell wobbly legged. And I just thought that was a bit of a weird. Like, if you're gonna go down and then pop straight back up, you shouldn't really be. I'm going to pop back up. Oh, hang on. Yeah, but it, I don't think that was it, though. No. It, I, th- I think she was too quick to get back up. and uh, It felt like she was jumping to feed, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and Miko wasn't ready. Um, and that happened a few times in this match as well. But, um, but it was... The grunting noise in the background is all women that have just on the show uh, doing a photo of 
You go slightly quieter, you won't know why, yeah. especially when we're getting critical. Push yeah. tones. Um, but yeah, again, I thought I didn't think it was on the level of the semi final, but I did enjoy this. Um, this is the semi final. The other semi final. Yeah. Oh, oh, the other, yeah, I got it. Yeah, I didn't really point it that much. I really like the finish. Um, they were hard hit, and it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. I think it was just, just a match. Yeah. It was fine. There was nothing, I didn't find anything particularly bad. But, um, apart from the finish, I don't really remember much that happened. Well, the finish was pretty good. I got like, spots in line yeah. that happened at yeah, the, the burning bomb finish. Uh, it was quite fun. <laughs> I thought she dropped him like. Yeah, it, it looked really weird. It was like like she was going for the the tiger driver, and somehow Kelly didn't hook or something. It was yeah, she was very light getting into yeah. that position for the bump, and all. yeah, it looked pretty vicious. So after that, um, we had the women's title match, which. When we previewed it, I said this is basically just a buffer match uh, to give everyone a break before the main event. Um, but yeah, Melanie Gray and, and Martina went out there and completely exceeded my expectations, uh, quite comfortably, and then some, and, and had a, a really good little match as a, like a semi main event, which I just wasn't expecting. They, they gelled really well together. Um, I think it's the best singles match I've ever seen Martina have. I saw her one with Ginny that I really liked, but um, this might actually be better. I, I think she's been improving like, the last couple of months when we've seen her. Yeah. And she's been, yeah, I was slowly getting better. I yeah. think she's taken the criticism of it personally um, that she was told that she wasn't. She was a very niche actor. She, but she's actually got, got, out, got some gear and she looks better. Yeah, she does. Uh, and I feel a bit guilty about the Ragnarok of the whole world. Right, Maybe we can't give Ali any stick anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, we stick at it. Because when he had picked her, she was pretty <laughs> I think she, for a while she was improving and then it seemed like she stagnated for quite a long oh, time. Oh, yeah, for at least yeah. a year. And now if she's, she's back, on the, back on the, the road upwards, then how's it not? Um, we still have some issues, but uh, not as many as I thought they would. So. I thought the, the springboard co breaker was a real highlight. Yeah. yeah. Sesh breaker, even. I think it was me, me that christened that name, yeah. I don't know that there. Yeah, it's, that's what it's supposed to be called. Such a break. This is what I was I forgot about that. <laughs> when you were friends. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, uh, Melanie Dragon is sent on the apron in this yeah. match that um, I was next to Mort, and Mort was completely freaked out because I did some huge land on their head because he just made a horrible noise when she landed. Well, I was stood behind Kelly, and Kelly had the exact same reaction. <laughs> she, she started jumping up and down, like, and grabbing, I can't remember who was next to her, it might have been, might have been Andy. Uh, <laughs> just grabbing Andy, like, oh, she okay, she okay. It was, uh, it sounded pretty bad from where we were. Especially on the balcony, you yeah, couldn't yeah. fully see it. You just well, yeah, but you, she kind of just disappeared from where we were. Yeah, sitting. we couldn't see because of the front row right in front of yeah. it. Yeah, so you could just you could see like about three, four feet off the ground, and, that, and then she disappeared. And yeah, from <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a sad time. But um, 
Yeah, no, a really, really good showing from, from our team. I didn't yeah. expect that. A uh, good showing from Melanie Gray. And, uh, Definitely she, overseeded she, expectations. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she retained with a, a global oh. lead. Um, that is a match where they could have done some leg work to set the finish. Between them, they, uh, between they told them a coherent they, story. Yeah, they, they had a hell of a match between them. Because <laughs> the, the whole legwork section of that Crystal Palmer Storm match it was, well done. was really well done. And then there was no second phase to it. It just went like, here's a load of uh, legwork and nothing. Like, so, okay, why was that a part of the match? Yeah, but, yeah. I don't know. Um, so we've really got the finals done right now. Michael Santamora against Fisto. It sounds like you weren't a big fan of this I, match, whereas me and Lee were. I thought wouldn't be because it was very walking ball and kind of went all over the building. Yeah, that was, again, the least favorite, my least favourite part of it. But I thought when they got back in the ring, um, I thought just the, the sh- how good both these women's offense looked just carried it. Like... Um, Again, I had a similar issue with some of Fisto's, uh, I guess, feeding, um, in that she would, I think Lee put it well, in that it looked like she was popping up too quickly and then had to stall, Yeah, and it, it just didn't flow naturally. No, it didn't. It, it seemed to kind of troll Mako off as well. She um, just kind of I saw at least one of the Mako just kind of stopped. Yeah. Like that, and you're looking at the yeah. start, but you don't see it do that very often. So. But especially once they get to got towards the finishing stretch, I thought this was really strong. And I know you were saying that the walking bra, they were actually right over by us, yeah. so I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> it's sometimes um, nice when you can see it, isn't it? Yeah, when, when you can see it, I think it, it kind of works, but um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I think um, Lufisto's early or in the previous rounds kind of yeah. fed into the final. So she felt like a trust mm-hmm. Michael. Yeah. So it kind of all, it, it, the way it's running matured, it progressed, and you felt like either one could win. And just the way she'd won her previous matches, where like two different moves, mm. and not, and each move kind of on its own. Like it, it, it gave the feel that out of nowhere she can win. She hits one big move, and she's got an array of them. Yeah. And, that, and that's it. So it, it kind of. And, and she did tease both of the moves she won in, in the previous match, because, uh, but Michael managed to uh, escape out of them. Yeah. Um, I know Alan, Alan Farrell was talking to us at intermission yeah. and said uh, she's already done a burning hammer, a gonzo bomb. God knows what she's going to do in the final. <laughs> so I, I do think that kind of fed into it all and made it really enjoyable. My, my favourite moment uh, in the match was... Um, when they were doing the brawl right in front of us, mm. and we all scurried to get out of the way, and Mort was looking at his phone, <laughs> and looked up, saw that everyone had moved, and that they were coming towards him, and walked straight into the post. <laughs> <laughs> and that is like, directly in line with the camera as well, so that's, oh, that's, that's going, going to be, be going to be gift. It's going to be on the VOD, I'm, I'm going to gift it. Poor <laughs> <laughs> Mort. Yeah. That's what he gets that's for cool. winning the bowl. He's, um, he's very prepared for this to happen. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't, uh, he isn't sure how stupid it looks, but um. <laughs> rest assured it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. I um, speaking of Alan Forel, um, but similar, con- yeah. pretty much the same conversation. He was talking about Michael saying, "I really hope we get to see the Scorpio rising," and we got it in this match. Oh. It was it was wonderful, and the the best bit for me, and you'll be able to hear this on the DVD, is since I was uh, up on the balcony near where they were doing commentary. Alan went crazy when it was hit. That's uh, 
it's going to be something to, to watch for the VOD for, for the reaction. And she killed Lufisto oh, with that kick. She landed that probably well, on I think right. uh, part, uh, part of the reason why it landed so heavy is because uh, like her arm moved a little bit because she stepped on her, her arm to set the hook. Yeah, and the, her arm just kind of slipped off her leg, I think, with a bit of sweat or something. And so Merkel kind of slipped down a little yeah. bit and, and just right on, board, yeah. right on the top of the dial. <laughs> so, yeah. Unfortunate timing on that one. But, <laughs> but it looks great, don't it? <laughs> yeah. It was and, one uh, Yeah, it's probably one of those things where they both have an understanding that they both work mm. very, as you kept saying the other day, snug. snug. Yeah. Um, and, and this was exactly that. Yeah, I thought this was a, a really good final and climaxed the tournament very well. Um, Maiko ended up. I think most of us agreed going in that she was a very likely finalist, mm. but by the end of the tournament, she 100% felt like the right winner. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which you know, on a on a single single show tournament, that's kind of what you want. You want things to feel like they're building, which they did. Lavista mm. went from someone who was you know somewhat established to by the end she felt like a huge threat. Oh, yeah. And Micah went from someone who was like. She's a legend, and you expect her in the final to No, this tournament is about her, and she is the right winner, and she won. So it, it was very satisfying in that regard. Yeah, I, I think it was a perfectly booked tournament. I think, it, I mean, not every match was great, but I think it all just built and built and built. Yeah, and the overarching story. Yeah, was, yeah they worked. Did, uh, a very good job of doing like, the uh, story over the entire thing, mm. as opposed to just... A series of good matches, yeah. so they did that very well. How would you compare it to last year's? Did you, did you get to watch last year's league? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Too many shows. Yeah, it was a while ago. Um, a year, a ago. year ago, so yeah. <laughs> I preferred um, the Tony Vesna yeah, match I, last year to anything that was on this That's what I was going to say. I thought the Tony Storm Vesna match was top anything from this year's show, but I thought overall as a show it was far more consistent. The quality of talent this year yeah. is quite higher. Yeah. And it's not just because they've got better people, and it's because the people that are in here have gotten better over the last year, yeah. especially Kevin Kelly's gone so much better. Yeah, you're replacing people like um, Viper with Mike Mora, so <laughs> That's a bit of an upgrade, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah I'm pretty happy Mike won too when she's going back, so yeah, mm. she's going to get some more chances too. If Melanie Gray still has the belt and uh, she gets a title shot, that'll be an interesting match. I can't quite envision how they'd. I don't see how that goes because Melanie Gray does a lot of unstalling and underhanded stuff. She's not a bad definition, so I can see how that would play out. And, you know, if anyone can leave someone for a match, it's going to be Satomura. Yeah, she's had hundreds of years of teaching hundreds of rookies how to wrestle. Uh, and so, if it goes wrong, she'll just drop kick her in the face yeah. to <laughs> break her uh, nose. Yeah. Do a low key and rip an ear off. Anyway, uh, that was Tom <laughs> Tiles. Yeah, um, that's the right way to end it. We'll be back to talk about uh, night two of uh, the BXW Tag Team League. Uh, presumably tonight or possibly tomorrow. Uh, you'll be able to tell based on how drunk I am. And how tired we sound. <laughs> how bad my voice sounds. It is the after party tonight, after all. Uh, might so do an before? after party recording. Oh. Alright, we'll see you later.
Future Rob here again, just to explain what you're going to be listening to here. Uh, after um, night two, which had ended with a very special atmosphere, as we're going to explain, we were all in a, quite a weird mood just with how special said atmosphere was. And as a result, um, the podcast recording was, to be honest, a bit of a mess. I think overall we did a good job talking about how special the atmosphere was, but the whole rest of the show we kind of, you know, we didn't do a good job. We had too many people there. Um, we're all too excited about the main event to really talk about anything else. So I've got on Ollie, who has since watched on VOD, and to talk about the rest of the show, which will immediately precede the talk of the main event. <laughs> And we're back. Uh, I won't do the whole intro thing again because it, you probably just heard us about three seconds ago. So I will say that we have just finished, uh, not Carrot, started well, World Tag Team League Night 2. Um, and a hell of an experience it was. And we've got quite the uh, the crowded house here. Uh, it's me, Rob, same as every other section so far. Arne is also still here. I am still here. But My voice is steadily coming, man. <laughs> yep. Uh, and we're also joined by two slash three guests. Um, that sounded like I wasn't counting one of you. <laughs> but, uh, two Rob just can't count to, at all, it's fine. This is true, I can't find my way, I can't count, there's many a problem. But we're joined by uh, Mike Kittleby, who you probably know from Eurograps and the recent uh, Eurodraft we just did. Where he lost. Yeah, thank you, I actually come third. <laughs> to a loss. Second place loser. It's on the podium. Uh, I'll Alan, take it. Alan Cheapshot is also joining us. Representing, I know maybe as well. I think we're all gonna have a good little chat now about the uh, night two. It was a really, this, really fun time. Is this your first time on Voices of Wrestling? No, no, no. Um, I'm a Voices of Wrestling veteran. No, I'm not. I've been on once before, and it was a show that never made air. So Ooh. read into that what you will. Just, just, <laughs> was it just 100% shoots? I mean, when would it never be with you? Oh, no, I've got to shoot all the time. No, it's the second time on the show. Uh, I'm the Voice of Wrestling feed, but the first time on your show, so thanks for having me on, guys. Delightful. Um, and Ian Hamilton is also in the room, so we'll get a hello from him, even if he doesn't want to speak. Hey, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> he said, hey, everyone. <laughs> Just add subtitles, we'll be in the show notes. That doesn't work with audio. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to go straight into talking about uh, tonight's main event, which I've been watching wrestling for a very, very long time because I'm old. Uh, and Alan's quite old as well. Yeah. So um, between us, what how many years do you reckon we've got? Uh, I've got like, like thirty in the bank. Yeah. Least, so twenty plus. So they were over fifty yeah. years. I've never ever heard a crowd reaction like that in my entire like thirty year wrestling watching career. It was. It was special. Very special. I think uh, for me as well. Um, We've all been spent plenty of shows uh, over the years, you know, small shows, big shows, medium shows, but this was something special tonight. The crowd from the get-go. How long would you say, guys, the crowd were chanting? I think it was 15 minutes about. I, I looked back at the... Because I tweeted uh, out a couple of minutes into the chanting, and then I was like... I looked back at it, and I was like, well, they've gone past 10 minutes, and the dueling chant was still going on, so it's got to be 15, which is... I've, I've never... No, no, it's not that. And the volume Without tiring well. either, which... Yeah. <laughs> there's sustained pops, and that's a whole new universe. Well, they're all powered by Monster Energy, the uh, sponsored drink of this weekend. <laughs> yeah, 
have sponsored us, so they can fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say I've been drinking Deagles out all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, we should probably give some context to this. Basically, the match started, actually just before the match started, I think the, the dueling champs properly started. Well, we did, we did it because um, I think it really originated in our corner, but we did it when uh, Bobby came out and then we let Ilya come out. We was all trying. To, we was actually going to try and drown out Ilya's music with it, but obviously that didn't work. So, it's quite loud. So then, yeah, we I think we let them do the intros and then that's where you went. Yeah, and it was you know, just just to give a little taste of it. It was guns, Bobby guns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> back and forth. I'm going to do this for the whole. Should we do it? <laughs> <laughs> just and it was. Incredible. Um, they, everyone's experienced a dueling champ, and everyone's, well, most people. And when it happens, it's incredible. Whenever it happens, when you have a, an entire crowd involved in a dueling champ, that it's a special atmosphere. Do you remember back? Um, it was Global Wars a few years ago, and it was Hero versus Shibata. Yes. Um, and there was a big dueling champ there, and that felt very special. That was nothing compared that, to what we got go, here. That did go like I think that must have gone about two or three minutes. We said like two or three minutes. <laughs> I've heard dueling champs go for a couple of minutes, and it's been like, wow, this atmosphere is incredible. And then this is just on like a completely different level. I've never heard anything like that. There was multiple times where like we was trying to like kind of go like, okay, let's start to clap it out a little bit but like it just wasn't working <laughs> and, it, and it was completely as well uh, organic this wasn't a planned thing I mean this match ended up being it was an interim title match so we're missing Absolute Andy who was yeah. announced this morning that he was injured so you know th- this match came together quite, quite quickly as uh, an interim match as I said and I just thought yeah wow where hats off to everyone you know every fan and it was really good to see that you know you had some of the guys on the uh uh, the gangway, um, so the commentary team, they were getting into it. They were Rico Bushido yes. was marvelous. Like, I was just watching him, like, stand up, like, right on the rail. Waving his arms. So into it. And then, like, the VIP area, who aren't usually the most vocal of parts in the venue. There's, like, kids <laughs> on the front row. Prawn Sandwich Brigade? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> the they were as well. They were all channels. Like, the kids, the kids were going crazy. There was one kid who was like had his hands in. Oh, bless him. Bless him. Bless him. But bless it was him. so loud. Yeah, it was. Yeah, incredible. Loud, yeah. sustained. Does it affect us all? Yeah. And every minute or so, it would start to dip out a little and then just go yeah, back up again. Back. Like all the customer effects, up and down, up and down. It's it like a couple of you took a bit of a break. And then come but back. Then and then yeah, took some shifts. Another thing, like kind of being in the middle of it, there there were points where our corner was sort of actually we weren't doing it. We were clapping, but we weren't we weren't kind of singing along. And um, you know, then all of a sudden we're like, well, let's get back in. And then other people kind of like, but there was there was there was about two people down. There was kind of the main Ilya group as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was, yeah, it was. Yeah, I could see it from the top. And uh, <laughs> one of my favourite bits was um, midway through all this, you know, just seven minutes in, right towards the beginning. <laughs> um, this is match your match we're talking about. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll get to the match in a bit because I think that's going to be a fun conversation. But um, Mako Satamura comes up up the stairs and she, she turns, I think it was 
Oh, I can't actually remember who she turned to, but she turned to one of the other wrestlers and she just goes, wow. <laughs> and she gets out her phone and she's videoing it for about a minute with her mouth agape. And this is a legend who's seen so much in wrestling. And you could tell, like, she'd never seen anything like but it before. This is what we were saying at the top. It's like, this, this doesn't happen. It, it you don't was... get that sustained combat in the crowd like that. It was combat. And the thing that, the kind of thing about it as well for me is it, didn't overstay its welcome because I was worried that we were going 10 maybe 15 minutes this chant went and I thought this is going to overshadow the match which in itself everyone's going to get to was the match was really really good and luckily for me they, they didn't overstay the welcome with the with the chant it was very very special to let them the match take over and you'll tell the story of the match yeah it felt at one point like it was going to go the whole match yeah that's what you I definitely got the sense mm-hmm. and then it it, it, it almost felt like they were saving the good parts for when the chance stopped. Because <laughs> they had a lot of stuff How many times did Bobby Gordon do the thing or think of something? <laughs> you no, probably shoot the crowd. crowd and like, no. no. Forget about no. it. Was, we really, blew our song. Bolton was just in front of us, guys. Yeah. And, <laughs> and <laughs> Bobby Guns goes to do the, the finger snap thing. And he, he puts his finger up to his lips to shush the crowd. And Volta just bursts out laughing in a way I've never seen him laugh before. And he's just like, what is he doing? Like, there's no chance. Because this was right in the middle of it. And then it happened of, again. I was behind some of the higher-ups, uh, like yeah, Dennis Birkendall, mm-hmm. Felix Kohlenbergs. And they they were all laughing as well. It was that one of those moments where he's just... He's, as if he's tried to just shush that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, like, I don't know, very, very special. And Hello, it's me again. Yeah, I was just talking about two seconds ago, probably. And as the me of, well, actually a future me, but a couple of minutes ago will have just told you before that Ilya and Bobby Guns chat, the rest of the talk, we kind of were in a weird mood and didn't get around to properly talking about the rest of the card very well. So I've brought in an Ollie Court from the future to join me. (laughs) He's managed to uh, work his way into this episode despite not being there, um, which is quite impressive for a live episode, but uh, he's done it nonetheless. Uh, Thank you for retrieving me off of Solo Podcast Island and returning me to humanity and society. It was was good. I I haven't done a solo podcast for a long time, but the first one I did was really bad. so I was I was I was very proud to see how well you did, Ollie. Very proud. Pat on the head. Thank you very much, Rob. Almost <laughs> redeemed your Eurodraft performance. Uh, not quite though. Unbelievable. Three <laughs> uh, times a loser. Although um, you you you'll probably get bullied a bit less for Martina after how impressive she was at Femmes Fatale. Well, I didn't draft her this year, so it doesn't count. Uh, that's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> So yeah, we've mainly got you on to talk about the everything other than the main event on night two. Okay. But uh, just quickly, since I know you, you're pretty fresh off having watched it on VOD, uh, what were your overall thoughts on the, the atmosphere and the match itself? Oh, well, certainly the atmosphere was incredible. <laughs> like it, That certainly came through on the VOD, and especially with the commentary, Alan and Rico bouncing up and down. Um, definitely bought it into the home as well as in the arena, so that was really good. Uh, in terms of a match, like they didn't really do very much, but they didn't need to, <laughs> so it was just sort of the characters and the, the big emotion coming through, um, and I thought they got that across really, really well, the intensity, um, 
like on the finish, especially with all the, the finger breaks and then guns getting caught with his pants down. And a very good Torpedo Moscow. The move sometimes doesn't look amazing, but he made it. He really, really landed with it this time around. So that was really good. And yeah, just a, a really awesome tentpole match for the weekend, really. Yeah, the conclusion we kind of all came to was the atmosphere was so incredible that the match could have been anything and it would have yeah. worked. <laughs> um, and honestly, being there live... So many of us came away saying, that was incredible. I don't even know if the match was good, though. Like, yeah. we weren't sure because we just couldn't tell. It was it was almost... Com- the match was almost secondary in a way. Um, but not in, like, a... I, I guess you'll have a good uh, perspective from having just watched the VOD. But it, to me, it didn't feel like uh, the crowd was overshadowing the match. It was the crowd was a huge part mm. of the match, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, so maybe in the middle... It, there was a bit of aimlessness, maybe because the crowd was so into it that they didn't even have to do anything, and that mm-hmm. maybe deconstructed it a bit. But certainly at the beginning and the end, everything was firing on all cylinders, and the atmosphere was perfect. So, yeah, it was kind of a weird match structurally, but, I mean, it didn't really matter at the end of the day. Yeah, it was it was a great main event, even if it wasn't necessarily yeah. a great match, but at that point, as long as... It, it was a tremendous way to end the night of action, and you like you can never take that away from it, and that'll probably be the thing you remember years from now, from this weekend, mm-hmm. despite, you know, no matter how good the match itself was. But uh, moving on to, to the rest of the card, I'll, I'll let you take the lead since you've, you've just watched it now. Night two saw four more tournament matches, singles match between Tony Storm and Vesna, and starting us off... The WXW Shotgun Championship match between dickhead gym guy Maris Alani, which he's really embraced <laughs> very, very well, versus uh, shoot car, apparently, Julian Pace. Um, I'm just having to pretend to be in on the in-jokes of the weekend because I wasn't there. I'm snaking in and ruining everyone's good time, as I'm good at. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, this was a really fun way to get things going. Like, Julian Pace came off really, really well on night one, winning that four-way. Um, and he didn't feel too overmatched here. Like, he felt like he belonged in the ring with Alani, but Alani was just going to bully him around. So a, a, a nice way to get going on on the first night, on the, on the first match even. But probably the matches I want to talk about more are most of the Tag Team League matches, because there was some really, really top-quality stuff in there. The Okami team versus the Calamari Catch Kings was probably <laughs> the best match of the night, I want to say. Like, even though, as we said, the main event was uh, was so ridiculous <laughs> and a special atmosphere, this was probably, for me, the best, like, worked match of the night. Um... Gresham and Brooks are firing on all cylinders in this tournament, I feel. Like, they're, they're really, really having a go at it, getting all these... I mean, they had a great match with uh, Ring Camp on night one, and now they're getting another big team um, that I'm sure they've watched a lot of and were uh, having a nerd out over being able to wrestle um, in Hashimoto and Kamatani. Um, and Kamatani was really, really up for this weekend, you can tell. Hashimoto is definitely there. Like, he's still trying hard, but, like... Kamatani's like jumping off the page with his effort, even on Inner Circle. He was running around the place trying to kill himself. <laughs> so that was really fun. Um, what did you think of uh, CCK and Okami? 
Um, overall, and this will be a, a theme of the, the the free podcasts we've we've kind of crammed into one here. Yeah. Um, Okami at every level impressed because we all knew they were good going in. Yeah. But they're the way the, how well they worked with the the foreign talent and how well they tailored themselves to the crowd they were working in front of was was very impressive um and, and quite refreshing to see given how like how how both of their careers have kind of stalled a bit in in big japan over the last few years here they felt so fresh mm. and so impressive and they <laughs> they won over so many new fans uh, and this this match was was absolutely no different um, I was very impressed by the um, Julian Pace in the uh, shotgun match. I thought that that one yeah. was, was one that over delivered quite a bit. Um, I, I've always seen Julian Pace. Well, always I haven't been watching him that long, but like for the last year or so, I thought he was a solid guy with some decent potential. He over delivered uh, in that match. I thought it was really good, and um, I was expecting it to be you know your solid gentleman's free thrown at it that sort of <laughs> level. But I, I think I thought, yeah, it went beyond gentleman's free. I thought definitely like, there was there was some proper uh, like especially at the end when they they did the Marisol and he dive over the corner spot. But mm-hmm. now he's a heel. He miss he misses it and <laughs> Pace gets to do it himself. I thought that was a great dynamic and sort of maybe passing the move on a little bit to a face so you can get the proper reactions out of it. Yeah. Yeah, and and how overpaced was 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 great to see because that was kind of a uh, a nice journey of his over the weekend. He, he beat the champion at uh, the the academy champion at Inner Circle, uh, really got over in the four way uh, on night one, and then uh, this this title defense he was one of the more over people on the entire card, which was very impressive to see. Um, really cool. And just to go back to Okami, I get we're blending two matches into one here, but it's just how it's happened. But um. They're both very young guys, so I'm sure they were very, like, up for testing themselves in a new environment. Like, only working in a few places probably does get a bit stale for them, so it would have been very fun to, to come over to Germany, wrestle in front of a hot crowd who didn't know who they were as much, and just do their thing, and it was very impressive. And, as you say, they certainly mixed very, very well with the teams here, and I thought, I mean, CCK are very, very easy to wrestle because they're just very adaptable and good at what they do so I thought that all came together really really well and this was probably in the moment the most fun match for me although as you say more memorable is probably Ilya versus Guns so after that we had uh, JFK beating Team Suplex of Anahelico and Jeff Cobb this was a, another bit of a weird match because JFK were going full into the like sly heel gimmick um, which I'm really enjoying I'm enjoying um, Caspin's weird WWE contract in a package thing. It's very 80s WWF in a good way. Um, like having a, It's good to have a thing, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> a MacGuffin. Um, yeah, exactly. What What's in the package? It's it's very fun. Um, it's, uh, it's the same thing that's in Shane McMahon's lockbox. <laughs> and I, I like that he's sort of dressing up more as well. <laughs> it's, I don't know, just showing off his character a bit more. Um, and skill it with his dorky loser sign um they're very very hateable um but in this match they did kind of lean into it very heavily like there wasn't a single moment in this match where they weren't being weasels (laughs) so maybe it did great on it a little bit and sort of made the match a bit odd like um like it was good when they were sort of beating up angelico but it didn't make a lot of sense whenever Cobb was at a disadvantage because like 
it just I don't know it just didn't feel real at that point um so it was kind of an an odd match to watch an odd match to to get through but the the JFK gimmick overall was expanded upon through it so a, a success in that regard I'd say sure sure um Overall, I think we were a bit disappointed with JFK over the weekend, and this was kind of a meeting of the other team which we were a bit down on, so it was probably our least favourite match of the tournament, but at the same time... um, that The bar was so high that, like, being the worst of a very good set of matches wasn't, like... Mm -hmm. It it wasn't damning, it just wasn't anything... Yeah, it wasn't um, a bad match by any means, but, yeah probably won't Forgettable. remember it yeah <laughs> um but after that a very memorable match in uh, ring camp versus the lucha brothers um obviously two very big star teams going at it um and much like the, the lucha brothers match on the first night against okami this was very just everything at the wall and see what sticks <laughs> like it was completely all action um and very very enjoyable because of it um tag legalities went a bit out of the window so i'm sure We'll have to bring that up, but <laughs> it was it was great fun to watch in the moment. Um, but yeah, sort of think, thinking about it for too long might uh, start to downgrade it a bit. <laughs> yeah, it was it was super fun, choptastic, and uh, you you really um, you really got to a really interesting blend of styles here because you know yeah. Lucha Bros are about of as um, indie work rate as you get, whereas yeah. Ring Camp for more the uh, maybe minimalistic's not quite the right word, but I think most people will get what I mean when I say that uh, with regard to them. Uh, and, and they work together really well. Yeah, this was this whole block of matches, every single one of them delivered. <laughs> and yeah, uh, I'm gonna be a little bit honest here. Uh, a lot of them kind of blend together a little bit in my head at this point. It's been what. Uh, a, a little over a week now. Um, Five to seven days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing I do want to say about this match is it reminded me a lot of uh, Ring Camp's match against uh, Homicide and Loki from last year. Um, <laughs> uh, I preferred that match just because it was like such a brawl and so memorable in the way that uh, Ring Camp got outsmarted, whereas here Ring Camp sort of did the outsmarting and kept it all within the ring and eventually just sort of crushed uh, the Lucha Boys under their own weight, um, which was... So, yeah, I, I thought it was a well-wrestled match, even with the tag legalities going out the window, but hey-ho. Um, and after that, we had the women's match on this card. Um, obviously, we had Femme Fatales earlier in the day, which I really enjoyed, um, and I thought... I'm, you've already, you guys have already covered this, but I thought Mako Satomura versus Millie McKenzie was aces. <laughs> Very much enjoyed that match in particular. Um, and this one followed on from that. Um definitely not as good as their Femme Fatales meeting a year ago. That one was just like a crazy match. This was a bit more traditional, um, and sort of getting Tony Storm her win back after losing um, in round one. Um, so yeah, maybe a bit more of a a necessary match for Tony than like everyone go all out um, brawl that they had last year. But still very fun to see uh, Rob's mum, Vesna, and Tony Storm here. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. It, I think my expectations were a little too high coming into this one, given how yeah. much I loved uh, last year's match. Uh, this it was it was still a good match, but it, it wasn't anything blow away. Um, and overall, across across the whole weekend, kind of Vesna 
it didn't quite do it for me like she did last year, but she, you know, that that was a ridiculously high bar to set. So uh, I yeah. set her up to <laughs> fail in my own mind there. Very unfortunate. <laughs> um, She's still my favourite, though. And then just like a, a, an all-out power match between Aussie Open and Monster Consulting, um, which is very good for the uh, Kyle, Kyle Fletcher heavyweight project um, because he was starting to look like a bulky boy here. And I think maybe in a year's time, he's clearly putting in the hard work and he's going to reach that heavyweight spot that he's been tasked to get, um, which is very exciting. And they went power move for power move with Monster Consulting here. Um, again, another like all-out action match. I think they kept the tag, le- tag legalities a bit better in this than the ring camp one. <laughs> I believe they did. I, yeah. uh, I don't have my notes in front of me, which I really should, but uh, yes, I, I'm I mean, pretty there sure was they some, did. There were some touch-and-go moments and obviously a lot of like two-on-two moments, but like the action that it gave more than made up for <laughs> stretching the rules a little bit. Um, like, yeah. My... my... Was- my line's always, as long as the legal guy's the one getting pinned, I can I can live with it. Oh, of course, yeah. And, like, down the stretch especially, the action was just crazy. Like, it yeah. looked like Monster Consulting were gonna get the win, they were stringing moves together, and then Aussie Open cut them off. Like, I think they were literally about to hit the final consultation, and then Kyle Fletcher just gets uh, a super kick in there, mm-hmm. right at the last minute. That yeah. was really, that was really exciting. Spot. And from there, Aussie Open took control, and like the last two minutes was all just them hitting their moves and getting the win. So like this was really back and forth, really dramatic. And I mean, Aussie Open having another good tag team match. I mean, it's just like <laughs> they've had an incredibly high bar all year, and they've met it like every time. So they've been really impressive. Mm-hmm. And Monster Consulting as well. Like Julian Nero has come on leaps and bounds from his crappy match with Damak last year <laughs> on this on the exact same show on the exact same night and here he is having a banger with Aussie Open here and being every bit as good as Avalanche I thought um, so yeah just another really good match to add to the pile <laughs> it, it can be difficult when all these matches are like really good but like none of them are quite peeking their head above the parapet of the rest so it can be difficult to like put praise on them in specific ways but, like, this match and uh, the Okami CCK match, I thought, were the two best of the evening um, and were very memorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree there. I think um, one thing you can you can really give credit to Monster Consulting for is while they, in general, are a bit... They're not, like, your, your normal super indie work rate team at all. Um, when thrown in there with... Aussie Open, they adapted to Aussie Open style, had kind of an Aussie Open style match, and didn't look out of place yeah. at all. And I think that's a credit to them. Oh yeah, I, yeah, they're definitely more of a storytelling team, mm-hmm. um, as you would expect in WXW. That sort of the style, as we saw with Ilya versus Bobby Guns, um, like it, it is a bit of a different style than just like the the Brit Rest House style that Aussie Open do and do incredibly well. But yeah, it was good to see them be able. To do that, as you say, sort of go all out and <laughs> match Aussie Open, move for move, moment for moment. Uh, thanks for briefly joining us, Ollie, in your time-travelling machine. And um, we will see you again in, I guess, a few weeks. Yeah, I'll, I'll go back into my definitely not the TARDIS, because that would be uh, copyright infringing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely not that. So enjoy the rest of Tag League guys and girls um i'll see you in two weeks time when it is now wibbly wobby time timey wimey
don't think you're allowed to say that either. But oh no. We'll... Wobbly wibbly. There we go. To me woo me. Um, <laughs> um, and see you on the other side of this stinger. <laughs> Furious here with Rob Reed. Still me. Still Rob. And Joey Big Abs Piglets. First class. First Max. class. <laughs> we think. Uh, who uh, is on Twitter at the King of Boom and is kind of out of range of the microphone at the moment. So. Hello, everyone. Oh, no, that's good. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, Excellent. Um, we're at the airport, uh, so occasionally we might have to stop. Because there's going to be noise. Yeah, but with the magic of editing, they'll never notice, no apart from no, that they will. No one will ever notice. Um, we're going to talk about the, the last night of Carrot. Uh, I'm tired. <laughs> the, <laughs> last, the last night of... Uh, I've done that so many times yeah. over this weekend. And what a, a lovely time we had in general, but got really bummed out by the book. Uh, I'm very tired, yeah. but I'm happy to be this tired, because it has been a hell of a weekend. Yeah. Um, I mean, when we were talking about night two, I don't think we were anywhere near positive enough because we kind of got into arguments about various different things, and it didn't. We, I don't think it came across as being as happy with the day as that. we actually were. So I thought night two was just fucking terrific. Mm-hmm. Like I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, That'll be what you remember from this weekend. Oh yeah, in the, terms of the shows. Yeah, we we talked a lot about the crowd reaction, but we got into detail about it. We didn't need to. It was just. The crowd reaction was incredible, and I'm never going to forget it. Um, it was a bit of a contrast with Night 3. Um, do, you want to, do you want to talk about the overall feel, or do you want to go break it down? Or? Let's start with the overall feel, because I know there are a lot of people who weren't a huge fan of the way that they ended the weekend, as in like the, the second half of yeah, the second final half of the final night, um, in the... It was a show where not a lot went right for a lot of the people you're rooting for. Yeah. And but not only that, it was one after another. Yeah. So yeah. They, they had like the downer of the tag uh, belts being for, uh, like given up. Uh, then you had the downer with Dragon, and then you had the downer with the heels winning the, with the tag belt. You did have Lucky Kid in the middle there, but that felt like less of a big deal. Yeah. I, no, the, I didn't really like that match at all. No. So. Uh, that just kind of added to the the, the downer mm. aspect of it. But I think what's going to get forgotten is that the show started really good and the first couple of matches I thought were like, fucking great. But then all we're going to remember about night three was uh, we were just really depressed by the end of it. Which is why we didn't record last night because we were all like so down that it took about a, a four hours at the bar uh, to, to cheer us back up again, but um, yeah, it was what it was. It's been very interesting to watch the the last day uh, as an emotionless robot myself, who was completely unaffected by said things. But um, seeing seeing how it affected everyone else, it was it was kind of eye opening that everyone gets invested in wrestling, but it really showed just how invested a lot of people who yeah. pay attention to WXW were. And how much, how much these results and events really mattered to them, like because it, it was noticeable for a good long while. It wasn't till we were about 
what, we'd done the, the after show meal and we'd come back to the bar and we'd probably a couple of hours drinking at the bar before the moods had picked back up again. Yeah, that's the most down mood uh, I've seen the Alex, like, post-tournament post, uh, celebratory meal be. And it, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. It just, everyone was really kind of, I don't know if it was tiredness as well, just combined with mm-hmm. it, but it always feels like a bit of a celebration. Everyone's like smiling and laughing. It was that, but it wasn't. As I well. think I think that's one of the things. Like you, by the end of the, these weekends, everyone's absolutely knackered, especially if they've gone to the after party. If they do it like we do it, where we you go to the after party, you're out drinking every night with people, talking until the the sun's coming up. Um, then you're absolutely the ex- yeah. No, no, no I'm, I'm not knocking it. I love I love it, but um, by the end, you're absolutely exhausted. But if the show ends on a high, it kind of carries you through. Yeah. Whereas the show ending on a low, you kind of you're you're a bit down anyway, and then the tiredness just multiplies that, yeah. and <laughs> it's. But yeah, we definitely be... picked up at about two in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I started getting my second wind. But yeah, this this is like the least sleep I've had uh, on one of these weekends, and I've, I actually feel pretty good. I think my body's kind of adjusted. Hasn't quite it. kicked in yet. Yeah. I get the impression it, it feels like it's horribly. gonna. Yeah. <laughs> We're due a crash, but it's been okay for now. Um, we should probably talk about the actual matches yeah, that happened. Yeah, let's talk about some of the matches. We, uh, so it started off with um, uh, Renkamp and Akami, which we were quite, kind of excited about this one. I thought it delivered. I really enjoyed it. The one criticism, maybe not even criticism, but like thing I'd attached to it was I kind of wish it had gone a bit longer. It was really good, and then it ended, as opposed to being really good and then having a chance to be absolutely excellent. Yeah, it could have been a real... It made excellent use of its time, but it it also... It was like one of those matches you watch, you go, they've left something in the tank there, but that's weird because you wouldn't think these two teams are necessarily destined to wrestle again at some point, because they're somewhat different It it? could happen, but it's... Yeah, I thought Akami were great. Um, this whole weekend. This weekend. Kamatani in particular, I thought, was, was really, really strong. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always perceived him as being like a secondary figure in um, in Big Japan. Yeah, his title run didn't do much. His title run was kind of fell on his face. I mean, kind of the same a little bit with, with Daichi, but because he's got that the name that he's got and the look that he's got, you kind of still remember him, whereas Kamatani kind of gets lost in the mix. But no, I thought he was great all weekend. The stuff he did with Volta, uh, just chopping each other the bits. Uh, it's good times. Very good. One of uh, this might be my favourite match of the show. Um, this or the second match? Yeah, it's either this or yeah, I'd probably go CCK and Lucha. I think I'd was, agree, but it was it was pretty close between the it two. It was. They were very different matches as well. Yeah, I, I'm a big big John Gresham fan. Oh yeah, and, and this weekend's only cemented that. Yeah, I feel like he's gone from being somebody who, like, I do a top 100 wrestlers every month with like my favourites. And he's sort of around the three quarters way way down mark. I think he's probably gone up to about thirty over this weekend, just because it's like watching him live is just such a pleasure. Like he's so so good, and people just kind of don't give him the shot. I don't know, but mainly because of the size. But like he's just so good. He really has, I guess, other than height, he really has no weakness. Mm. He. The, he's got the character stuff down. Great. His technical wrestling is amazing. He can fly. He can strike. Oh, he shouldn't start presses, which is oh, yeah, a thing of beauty. Breathtaking. They're, they're very Evan Bourne. 
or Matt Seidel esque, who for my money has the best shooting style. So, yeah. So the, this match was very uh, spot heavy. Yeah. Um, Which you're going to get with a Lucha Bros match. But I like that because it followed on from uh, like Ring Path and Akami, who just kind of battered each other, mm-hmm. whereas this had a lot, a lot of things happening. And uh, I keep saying it, but Chris Brooks is very good at putting together tags. And you can tell it's him because it keeps happening to matches that he's in, like over and over again. He puts together these tags where uh, I know you got upset with. Uh, no, who was it? Ah, yeah, it was you. Got upset with the, um, the three strikes uh, breaking up pins thing. Oh, you were mad. You were mad as hell. No, no, no. Some of those things you can't stop seeing. Yeah. I don't think WXW actually has like a, a rule no. about breaking up tags, uh, breaking up uh, pinfalls in, in tags. Yeah, it was because Mark mentioned it's yeah. about aggression specifically, and I was paying attention to making that match. So. Yeah, it happened. <laughs> You didn't take anything away from the match. It didn't upset you as much as the tag legalities upset Rob. No, 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 he didn't, he didn't upset me at all. <laughs> I just noticed it. Mm-hmm. Still my favorite match, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I do like these all action tags where it's just, it's like wall to wall stuff and there's no dead time. It's like, I always feel like tags, when you go to formula, and I see it so often where you get formula and I just get bored of it because you know there's got a hot tag come in. And the control periods tend to be a bit, uh, but I've, Brooks has just kind of done away with that. He's going, I, I don't really want to do that because it, it doesn't interest me. So they go with this instead, which um, all action, all yeah. excitement, yeah. especially natural when it's the night, everyone's tired. Yeah, yeah, you want to pick me up, which is yeah. what Those the first two matches, two matches were just a wonderful pick me up for getting me fired up for the rest of the show, even though the rest of the show just didn't do so much for me. Yeah. yeah, so the first two matches on the show just were absolutely clear. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, Maybe the best one to punch on this whole set of shows. Yeah. I'd have to think yeah, about I, a bit more in detail. No, I think you're probably right. Off the top of my head, it Lock seems back like back. that. Block A um, was such a good block. The, every match was every very good. Every, every match was All like, six of them. was great. Uh, and having those four teams put together... Uh, all completely different, uh, different backgrounds, uh, different styles, and it was just fun. It was real fun, like every single match. Whereas uh, Block B was more like storyline driven, and there was a lot of JFK and Team Super stuff that I wasn't keen on. Um, so Block A for me was easily the, the better side of it by some distance. Did you? Um, were you happy with CCK winning the block? I kind of would have preferred if it was Ring Camp. Yeah. And let me explain why. So, uh, when just before uh, Skillet managed to convince Caspin to go to the dark side, they challenged uh, Ring Camp to a match, and Skillet was a complete knob in it. Mm-hmm. And they got pummeled and beaten, and, and they were gone uh, back into like, the, the pack. And having Caspin turn and adopt the same mantle mentality as Skillet. I felt like that would have been a nice little payoff to that story, mm-hmm. that now they're capable of beating them because they're, they're cheating. Uh, I pretty much completely agree. Um, I was 100% fine with CCK being the team to advance, but given that JFK were going to be opposite, mm-hmm. I think Rankham would have been a better fit. Like, 
we'll get on to the final yeah. in a minute. We're not super. I, safe to say, neither of us are super high on it. No. Um, but I don't think that was necessarily. Neither of us would go. Well, CCK was the problem. No. Oh no, not at all. Um, but maybe they're saving that ring count match for a defense. Yeah. Which, again, I'd probably be fine with that because if they're doing this as the, their big title win, they don't need to also finish off a story that had started uh-huh. uh, like a year ago or whatever it was. So, yeah, that kind of makes sense in that respect if they're going to do that. And it was good to see Gresham get to the final because overall I thought it was probably MVP of the weekend. I think so. Yeah, I think I'd have, I'd have Gresham. Definitely in the top three uh-huh. wrestlers without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, probably the one. Um, so after that, uh, that was very hard to follow. Uh-huh. Because they just had two bangers back to back, and there was a dead spot afterwards. So they put Vesna versus Mephisto in it, and it was fine. But I, it, it was it was okay, but I honestly don't remember anything about the match. My notes are basically um, the the finish was a DVD. That's that's it. That's all I've got. Yeah. So they. To start with, Lefisto kind of played chicken shit heel, um, which like clearly defined Vesna as being the face in the match. Um, that was that probably went on a bit too long for my taste. Like it, it felt like it took a long time for the action to actually get going. Once it got going, it was it was solid, but like the pace was kind of low, um, which going into this match wasn't kind of not what I was hoping for. I was hoping we'd get like two of the hosses of the women's division go at it, yeah. high pace, lots was, of bombs. There was like a history as well. Um, yeah. At the Matthew, Ten years in the making. Um, Blue Godzilla show me uh, uh, gifts of um, the burning hammer where uh, Vesna landed straight on her head and she still has neck problems because of that spot. So you had that history there, but there was no real way of playing up on it because it wasn't something they could show the video of and go like this happened and now head to head it it was just a match at the end of the day so yeah it it kind of it could it could have felt like more and for those who didn't know about the storyline it probably felt like it should have felt like more but um it did end up just feeling like the buffer between the two blocks (laughs) yeah yeah I wasn't particularly interested I don't I think we Already spent so much time on. Yeah. Um, so Aussie Open and JFK, that was um, JFK basically knocking Aussie Open out uh, yeah. by winning. Um, well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. They could have been in the locks. Yeah, the result. If they'd have won, Aussie Open and JFK would have been uh, tied on six points, and then Monster Consulting needed to win to turn it into a three-way tie, and then they would have drawn lots. Which as soon. As soon as I knew that was the case, I was like, oh, I hope they draw lots. I've never seen that either. So, well, but then it, it is kind of a lame finish. I In guess. a way, I thought that could have almost been quite a cool way for JFK to yeah. to win, continuing the story of, like, they're getting real lucky. They've got they've picked, they've picked lost to the champions um, in Mons Consulting earlier in the tournament. They The two wins they picked up have been dodgy, dod, you know, dodgy yeah. ways to pick them up. Well, the finish and then they could have... Yeah, and then they could have um, actually taken the titles away from the champions just on pure chance. And obviously, you worked a lot, obviously, but um, I thought that could have been quite a nice storyline because then yeah, it Monster Consulting feel like even more of like 
Yeah, they've just really they've been, been screwed, screwed out. Yeah. They they've won two matches. They beat the team that's going on to be champions, and they only they only didn't make the final the by pure random chance, coin, which so. would be. I I think it would have almost been um, the perfect way for the the kind of the story they've done. You got the sense that Monster Consulting, they were trying to present them as a team that were very unlucky, and maybe should feel a bit wrong to have lost their champions. Yeah. Chips. Yeah, no, that's completely fair. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to say about the match, except that I just hated the finish. The um, match as a whole was, it's very much like pretty much all of JFK's matches. There were bits that were good, but never really sustained periods of greatness. And yeah. the finish yeah, was thought, quite deflating. I thought their best match in this uh, tournament was the Monster Consulting one. Yeah, and that wasn't... It was, anything too blow away. Pretty good, I guess, but it wasn't anywhere near. I think I'd probably lean towards the final, but it's pretty close, and yeah. neither of them are not. None of them are ever stand out. So with JFK having won, uh, Monster Consulting had to win to turn it into a three-way tie, and then we did draw a lot. And Suplex are already out there. Uh, yeah, box. Team Suplex already out, but they they picked up the the win, and that was based on a a Nero miscue mm-hmm. that, uh, that set that up. So there's a little bit of tension between them. And for a moment there, I thought they were going to like start fighting, and that would have been very heartbreaking. So I'm glad they didn't do that. Uh, there's one spot in this match in particular that I really want to talk about. It's that um, uh, Avalanche came off the top rope. Jeff Cobb oh, caught him. Oh, this is incredible. <laughs> and I was like, well, sh- I'm like already like blown away, impressed by the fact that he's caught Avalanche coming off the top rope in like a fall away slam position too. Not, yeah. not even like one of those things where you kind of like a cane catch off the top rope where he just grabs at the throat and they land. No, this yeah, was, no, a it was a catch out of mid air. And Avalanche is a big dude. He, he did. He barely even staggered. I think he took yeah. one step back and then was. And then was like, Ugh. and then. He jumped up onto his shoulder and did an Oklahoma stampede. It was like, oh my god! One of the best moments of the tournament. Yeah, the strength on that guy. Like, I know I've been really cold on, on Team Suplex. I think they're probably the worst team in the tournament. But um, then the JFK. Uh, oh yeah, it might be. Uh, that spot might have turned it around for me. Yeah. Although you were particularly low on Angelico. Angelico. I wasn't a huge fan of him, but you you were. Oh, especially... he was winding me up in this match. Uh, so many visible thigh slaps where he just didn't need to be doing what he was, there was no misdirection or anything I just... made the observation that usually when you've got the thigh slaps and we're not like against thigh slaps or anything no. but you do it on the opposite leg to you're doing the yeah. kick with and it was, it was something once he pointed it out I couldn't you not see, see it, it. Yeah. because it's it's you know the basic idea of you want to have some kind of suspension of disbelief and when he's slapping the same leg that you're meant to be focusing on because that's the leg he's doing the kick on, it yeah. was a bit odd. It but. is really, really obvious, and I don't like that at all. Like, I don't have a problem with thigh slaps. I really don't. But like, We're a big fan of Andy. So. Andy's a great. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, always yeah. enjoy how he's, at the end of a match, he's often got a red welt on his thigh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's chopped himself in the leg 50 times. Yeah, you've got to you got to hide it better than that. There's a few people who are very high profile who, who are not good at it. Um, Will Ospreay is one, but like, it's something that I think they should, like wrestlers in general, should be cracking down on just to try and make their work look better. And Helico's got a lot of holes in his game, mm-hmm. a lot. He's and got bangerang though. He's got bangerang though, so I kind of like him still. Yeah. Even though I've said he sucked all weekend. Um, uh, so then we had the. 
that was a downer with Monster Consultant having to hold, hand the belts over. Yeah. And then that was followed by immediately by another downer of having uh, the Yearn and Alexander James uh, Satoshi uh, Dragon tag. This felt very strange to me. It almost, like, I get kind of why it was short, but at the same time, it felt like that sort of match is usually done in like an epic manner, mm. and it it felt very condensed and but without like it wasn't like it was condensed and just worked at really high pace. It was worked at kind of a normal pace, just the match didn't last very long, mm. and it, it was odd. I don't know if something else overran and that's what screwed it up, but uh, it just. No, I didn't really like it. There was there was one spot that I did like, and that's um, Yearn absolutely clocked Dragon with a lariat, and Dragon's yeah. bump wasn't a bump. It looked like he'd just been like legitimately fucked up by it. Um, so it, it was like it was a bad bump, but it worked because it was such a a good spot. Like it was. Just it a, was out of nowhere, lariat. Yeah, as well, like which bang, and, and I, yeah. But I felt really bad for for Dragon, and he's legitimately not got any bookings for WXW coming up. This isn't so much of a an angle where, like, in two weeks he'll be back, and I don't know when he'll be back. Mm-hmm. And you get the impression of his heat. So, yeah, um, so that, that just makes me even sadder. I think what they were kind of going for here was Dragon to look really valiant and kick out of a bunch of stuff, but because it kind of felt like it was shorter than it was meant to be, you almost didn't get that impression. Yeah. Like, he, he got his, like, hope spot and stuff and almost won and had the... Oh, the dusty finish. The dusty finish. And then uh, Satoshi went for a dive and that left just him and Yearn in the ring. Yearn hits a big boot. But that would have felt more impactful as a finish if Dragon had, like, endured a huge beating already. And, you know, he took some stuff, like the aforementioned Lariat. But overall, it... It was almost presented like, yeah, Dragon's just not worthy, really. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of what they're doing. I can see what you're they're not coming from. To, you're not like meant Dragon... to be putting Dragon on the same level as Yearn. No. But he didn't... I got the sense he didn't quite come off as valiant as you they wanted him to be. And yeah. that would have made the story more satisfying. Well, it's never going to be satisfying, but... It was disappointing, but it was also... Emotionally, it landed for me, like, mm. with the crowd chanting his name afterwards to drown out the guys who were booed, like... Uh, Waving him goodbye from the balcony. Um, I asked Dragon about that. I was like, did, did that upset you? And he said no, because the rest of the crowd drowned them out, and it was it was um, overcoming of bullying, which is what his whole deal is. Uh, yeah. yeah, what his whole angle had been. So he got to go out the way, like in the right way, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it was very disappointing for me, and I was very, very sad afterwards. Uh, next match, Tarkin and Lucky Kid. I honestly didn't pay any attention to this, and I'm, I'm sorry, but I don't have much in the way of. Tarkin is just really bad. Tarkin is really bad. He's gear shit. Um, he's he's a decent promo, and look, he's a good manager, but I don't want to see him wrestle particularly. Hopefully, this is the last time, and he transition fully to the end. Well, because Alan's the Lucky Kid beat him clean, tapped him out. That, the Rise storyline, the one that began it with uh, their invasion of when they won the tag titles in the first place with Bouncer and Kiev coming out with them masked. Um, that storyline's done. Um, that was the end of it. So. Yeah. Is it just me, or does the Bouncer and Kiev feel absolutely like purposeless? Yeah, they've the got nothing to do. They, they just... 
they feel casualties of injuries and suspensions, yeah. and they, they're kind of just floating there. I wouldn't be surprised if they just kind of stopped booking them until they had something to do yeah. with them. Um, it's, it's bad for them because they don't get the, the, the bookings, but at the same time, yeah, I think it would be worse for them if they just stayed there doing opening match jobs because there's nothing else for them to do. Because you guys have always followed, well, recently followed like the shotguns a lot closer than me. But, well, six, less than six months ago, Pete Bouncer felt like a real big deal to you guys. Oh. And well, he was. here he was nothing. At Carrot, he was a huge deal. Like, his um, whole turn against Bones at, at Carrot was a, a massive deal. But they never had the payoff because um, Bones got suspended. And then it, it felt like they were going to move the payoff towards Demac. And then Demac got injured. And Demac got injured and so. you're screwed then. There's nothing you can do. Unless you bring Bones back, then there's nothing. And Max you almost got the sense time. that maybe they accelerated the Aslan story a little because they needed a heel for some of them to face. Mm. But he ain't the guy. No. Like, maybe he's the promo guy, but... He's not the in-ring guy, and he proved that again yesterday. And his gear is weird. Uh, yeah, I don't like it. Um, moving on. Yeah, move on. Uh, so the final, uh, JFK uh, taking out uh, CCK to win the Tag Titans and Tag League. Um, it was kind of a, like some of the match was good and some of it wasn't. Not enough of it was good to feel to feel like a big final uh, and a big end to a week the, well, one of these WXW they, they kind massive of did weekends. Shoot for epic because they did like the big brawl around everywhere before they tried for it and they failed really. No, I didn't really like that. And the middle section of the match was was good. That looked like um, the kind of Chris Brooks match that we. Would be really into with the tags. That looked like that. That's his contribution. He's like, let's do all this cool shit, and then it just fell apart again at the end with um, them working over Gresham and just hitting move after move after move on Gresham until he was pinned. And it was just, it. I wanted them to cheat. Their heels. I wanted. I wanted funny. something. It just. It felt very flat at the end. Yeah. And I think that's a something you can look at for a lot of JFK this weekend is whenever they're in control I start losing interest yeah they don't and that's been good, a pattern they don't have good control periods and I can only assume it's because they don't have the experience in doing it but I would rather they spent most of the match getting beaten up and then do some cheaty stuff to win like, like Flair that kind of performance I think they're very capable of doing that I think Skillet is incredibly hateable and that he'd be really good in just taking a beat in all match and then fluking yeah, win. Yeah, stuff like mannerisms. They're great. Oh, at. yeah, the mannerisms and of the characters. General, great. general vibe. They're very, they're very good at being very unlikable, but they haven't figured out the in ring yeah, for these characters. Different. It really needs to be different because they're still trying to be valiant. And uh, has been fired up at one point. And I'm like, oh, I really don't want to see that. Like, uh, that's a, I, I didn't have like a problem with it, but like it didn't. You didn't add to the match or anything. Um, overall, I was more impressed with JFK last year than I was this year. I thought they had a better match uh, last year. Yeah, I think it's because they were used to what they were doing. So yeah. They, they, they had that whole Valiant Pucky Babyface stuff, and they were very good at that. Mm-hmm. But um, they are better off character-wise now, and if they can get their in-ring to, to better match the characters, then they'll be fine as champions. But the problem is... They needed to be ready now. 
this yeah. is a huge spot for them, and overall they failed, I thought. Hopefully they can correct that, so you'll get a series of title defences, whether the chicken shit heels, maybe getting some count outs, uh, some cheap wins, uh, distraction finishes, low blows, that kind of thing. And that will eventually lead up to a match where somebody just beats them clean and you're going to get a big pop. And that's the, the end game here. To have that heel room where they're, they're despicable and, and hateable and everyone wants to see them lose and they eventually do and then, yay, big pop. You have a flight to catch relatively soon, so yeah. we'll, we'll wrap this up now. But uh, just quick final thoughts on the whole weekend. I had a, an amazing time. I think that's the best tag league. I think I preferred last year's, but... They're uh, yeah, both amazing experiences. <laughs> well, yes, there was a distinct lack of wrapping here, and I was very disappointed. I think you, you look at Block A, you look at all of those matches, and I think you can't skip any of that. You've got to watch all of Block A. It's just so good. Um, I think, I think more stuff hit last year. Like the, I don't. You I didn't think have the Andy turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was in, an incredible moment. Um, I think you had Ilya's defense. Was the sad moment? No, no, sorry. Ilya's failed shot at the title last year was kind of the sad moment, but I thought that landed better and overall felt better. Maybe because you then had Rinkamp going on to win yeah, the championship. Um, but I thought that was that felt better than what we got here. Um, I think the but, matches. I think the, over, the overall quality. I think was here this year. See, I think A block. Yes, B block. I think was worse than E for the box last year. Actually, maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm looking back with rose tinted glasses because yeah, Young Lions had some really bad matches, yeah, didn't they? And uh, oh, Spirit Squad as well. I forgot they yeah. were in it. Yeah, yeah. I think last year peaked higher, but this year is probably more consistent. Um, also, I thought the the Yearn Star uh, blow off match was by far and oh, away yes. the best thing they they did in the entire mm-hmm. feud. I thought that was fantastically well done. Um, I was not expecting to like it as much as I did. Might actually go a favourite match. Yeah, it's a favourite match for, from, from the weekend. Me. And obviously the crowd on night two, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm just completely out of words at this point, so I'm going to go and get on a flight and go back home and uh, have very pleasant memories of what has been a, a wonderful weekend. Yeah, thanks. Oh, goodbye. Thanks, Joey. <laughs>